Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, yeah, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post on. What up, Fran? How you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, we recorded this on a Sunday. I had to work today. Yes, yes, you did. I got a lease. I don't have to, but I say I'll work at least one Sunday during these during peak season. You can just make that decision. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. like I'll, I'll like look. I'll give y'all one Sunday, and after that, I'm done for the holidays. Won't be working no more Sundays. So well, I got my Sunday me. out of me, and that's it. Well, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you tell them, Fran. Yeah. Uh. Well, speaking of you telling them things, uh, last week you told a story about a vigilante bus driver in Mexico, and we got a lot of feedback on that and a lot of recommendations for uh, a podcast called Forgotten Women of Juarez. Mm-hmm. Make sure, I, yeah, Forgotten Women of Juarez. Um, I'm sure they don't need our promotion, but you know, you know, um, anybody that we can turn on to something that's informative and you know tells these stories of these women and maybe helps you know these women find justice. I want to do so. Uh, yeah, a lot that because of the story that you told, a lot of women were like, "There's, there's a lot. It's a lot deeper than what even Fran said." Yeah, you, I got, you guys should check out Forgotten yeah. Women of Juarez. So I just wanted to put that out there. My, that, I feel like my job is to get the basis of the story out. If you don't know the story at all, yeah, then sure. And then you, you do go, the work. You, yeah, then you go do the homework. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. We're like, um, <laughs> we just do like the footnotes. Yes. yes. Yeah. We, if you really want to dig deeper, there's there's qualified people out there doing the work for that. Yeah. We are not those people. Yeah. We're just like, hey, have you heard about this? Yep. You know, my I, my analogy for this podcast is like you're going and talk about true crime yeah. at a TGI Fridays with your friends. So yeah. you're going to talk about, you know, we all like true crime. We're going to talk about true crime. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about, you know, TV shows. We're going to talk a little bit about this. But none of us have a Ph.D. or, you know, journalists, cred, credit credentials or anything mm-hmm. like that. So don't, you know, so just, you know, if, if we miss something, you know. You know, give us that grace to yeah. say, hey, man, they're not professionals. They're just trying to shed a light on some stuff. And then you go do the homework yes. and the research on your own if yes. you want to dig deeper. That's all I got to say yeah. on that. But first, before you go into any of the topics for today's show. Okay. I see you have a new phone. I do have a new phone, yes. Tell me about that. How's oh, that yeah, going? this is the, oh, this? Yeah, that. Oh, this. Yeah, um, <laughs> this right here is the 12 Pro Max. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Um, just something light. Uh, I got, my AirPods Pro, Pros came in the yeah, mail. Yeah, so I'm actually that next. You know, yeah. So uh, I was like, 
you know what? Let me hit them. Let me hit them with something slick. I got the new AirPods. Mm-hmm. Let me combine that. Yeah. Let me do- join teams like Pippen and Jordan and get the new phone as well. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. How like is it? it? Let me see you. Let me see your screen. You know, I, I didn't learn how to do the widgets. Okay. I'm you know I'm doing the widgets. Yeah. So you know. Uh, shout so now out. you now you like the widgets. I need to get a new phone. I need to get a new phone in order to go. Ahead. Okay, let go me ahead. let me let me um. Tell the listeners something about Alvin. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you a, a, a little bit about I'm a, Alvin. I'm an open, that you, I'm an, I'm an open that book, you, sir. That you guys I'm an open book, might sir. not know. I'm an open book, sir. Okay. But please tell them. Tell them something yeah. they don't know about me. The hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Yes. Oh. Of Alvin Williams. Yeah, please. Where? Go ahead. I remember. Uh-huh. Before you got the phone you had before that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, man, look, I got a new phone. Got the foot, whatever, the max. Uh-huh. There's no home button? Nah, I don't like the home button. Now, 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 the, now, uh, 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 a month, a month later, you like, excuse me, no, wait, a month later, you go, hey man, I got the new phone. What? I had the phone that didn't have the button for some time. I was talking about before the, I said before the last phone you okay. had. Okay. Well, change was, is inevitable, man. Oh. Well, I'm supposed to just not get the new phone no, but, forever? But I don't like you when you bash things, and then months later, That's you go and get it. That's to say I like the button? No, I you like go, the button. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing I'm that. I like my, ch- I'm afraid of change, man. I know. So but, I, but don't but don't bash it. I didn't bash it. I just you said did. I like the button. Don't bash it. I didn't it. like the button being gone. Don't bash it and then go, I got the new phone. Okay, well, what's the hypocrisy <laughs> me getting this? The widgets? The widgets? I like, man, you like, I got the phone. I don't like that, man. I ain't, I'm not doing that. Well, I just, listen, <laughs> listen, we take a lot of heat from Android users because we talk about how we have well, iPhones. Android is trash. And they always, they always want to say, yeah, I can customize the screen. And when I look at the weather, it snows on the screen. I don't give a shit. But now that it's on iPhone, I might as well, well take advantage of it and use it a little bit. I don't do that because that's for like that's, that's, for that's, that's for children. But I'm just saying they, <laughs> they have some kind of compromise a little bit. You can do some I customization a little bit. Yeah. So I you, you, change is inevitable, man. I'm supposed <laughs> to just everybody else is doing like, oh, I got the customized, you know, icons and everything. Yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to change with the times, man. I'm trying to stay young, man. I'm almost thirty years old. I'm you know I get gray hairs. I'm trying to stay young, man. We are young, man. I don't don't don't, don't push that out because I don't want to. I don't want to. Get thoughts of like, man, we, you know, we getting up there. Man, I saw a video <laughs> of a girl that she was born in 2006. Jesus. And they were playing Usher's Love in the Club. It was like one of those games where it was like, uh, make a check mark if you heard this song. Oh, yeah. It was all of my favorite songs from 2006. Yeah. And it, it was so disrespectful. Now, I don't respect <laughs> the opinion of anybody born in the 2000s, but I'm just saying to see somebody be like, ugh, what's Love in this Club? That uh, don't know the song? Not even a little bit. Like, I've never even heard wow. of what this is ever. Well, yeah. that's how. The old heads say about us. Yeah, but, they, like, but, that, but we are old heads, old heads to somebody yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. You know, now, yeah, we are still young. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, I don't want to be the old, the old guy that's like, what's the a widget? Yeah. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get with the times, man. Yeah. Like one rapper, I don't know, I can't remember his name. He was like born like 2002. I was like, what the f- it's crazy. crazy. You know how you know how disrespectful <laughs> it feels when when you're watching basketball. And you go, that dude's amazing, man. I'm a big fan of his. And he's like, he's 22 years yeah. old. That's why I said after LeBron James, I'm just a fan of the. So I just like I just, him. I just like I can't him. put anybody on a pedestal yeah. that was born in yes. 2001. No, I can't. I mean, not, man, that dude, man, that's my idol. Yeah. Where I look up to him. It's, no. no, man, I can't do it. <laughs> I just can't. All the money, nice cars, great athlete. Yeah. I can't be out here like, man, Luka Doncic, I look up to that guy. <laughs> he is 23 <laughs> yes. years old or something like that. You know, I, 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 come on, man. So it's just <laughs> l- learning those little things and having those little self-realizations has been a lot to me. It's been a big weekend and a big month for self-realization. I told you I've been experimenting with 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 uh, psilocybin a little bit more actively recently. Uh, okay. Friday was Cuddy Day. Yes. Man on the Moon 3 re- released after all these years. What in the Oh, my God, man. Kid Cuddy has been 
an idol. I feel comfortable because he's you know he's like thirty eight years old. Yeah. I feel comfortable. Is and, he? Oh yeah, yeah. Kid Cudi, he's been around for a long time, man. Okay. Um, I feel comfortable. You know, Kid, Kid Cudi got me through a lot of like self confidence issues when I was a young age. Made me feel okay to be like you're like it's okay to be like not hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, this was a big album release for me. I was mm-hmm. super happy, and it, I wasn't disappointed at all. Had some great features from some people that I like. I was you know I made my v- thoughts very clear about Man on the Moon three on social media. I mm-hmm. uh, love Kid Cudi and. Um, also, incidentally, Taylor Swift dropped an album. I, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift, Swift okay. fan, but this Evermore album is dope as shit. Oh, you heard so, it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I was listening to music all day. I Friday, bet you was. Friday, Saturday, I was watching videos. I watched this video called Marble Machine. This dude made a... It's like a Willy Wonka video. This dude made a machine out of cardboard and 2,000 marbles, and he just spins this wheel, and the marbles play music. It is the most fascinating thing. He's mm. pulling levers and switches and gears and everything. On YouTube? On YouTube, yeah. P- anybody, check was it this, out. Was this just um, something you did after having headphones, or you was just like, I'm listening to everything? Well, no, I was high out of my mind. Oh. Yeah, I was on the carpet, <laughs> rubbing my hands on the carpet, just kind of thinking about how you know each individual fiber is like a, a person and wow. how small the world is. Were you doing acid? No, I was on I was on mushrooms. Oh, but I just was like you know having thoughts like that. I had some I had some real existential thoughts about how I don't have really a, much emotion towards Christmas. But that's because my mom was a single parent. She was young. It was just like, hey, uh, I got a tree two days before Christmas. The presents that you asked for are under the tree. Don't open them until Christmas Day. That's how it was in my household. You know, what I mean? it wasn't way. like, oh my god, like we got to put the cookies out and then Santa Claus comes and then you they eat the cookies and you come. Yeah. It was none of that. You know, well you now. That's how it was for me. But when you have children, you got to play that. You go, you go, you go, what you want for Christmas? And then I'm like, okay. And Stephanie's like, what? Okay. No, Santa brings it. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, I meant to say I'm going to tell him. Yeah, I'll tell to Santa it. to get your presents. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm trying to get into that before children are here yeah. because Sierra does love Christmas. Yeah. So I want to make her happy for Christmas, but I just don't have this kind of like, like as you see the trees up, we decorated yeah. the tree today mm-hmm. and I had to like, you know, get into it because it's not like, Oh my God, like it's, we're going to put the decorations. It yeah. just isn't in me because it wasn't put in me. You know, yeah. like you don't learn, you don't, you don't uh, keep legacies going that were never passed down to you. And yeah. Christmas was never like all these games and Santa Claus was, fake to me pretty early on like yeah. i saw my mom taking the christmas presents out of the closet one year at like six yeah. and i was like oh i was like mm. six years old and i pretended to be asleep and then i crawled to the door and peeked out the door and then i saw her pulling like this big clear bag of presents out of the yeah. you know out of the closet and then walked down the steps and i kind of walked down the steps you know the steps have the banisters mm. and i just looked as my dreams were shattered between the two little posts of the steps yeah. And saw her putting the putting the presents out. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, my mom's Santa Claus." Yeah, it's all a lie. For me, it was me living in an apartment. I was like, "How the hell?" Yeah, like, he wait, can't get in here. He can't. What? How does this work? After that, I was like, yeah, "We don't even have a chimney, <laughs> right?" Because that's the story you hear. Yeah, I was like, "Wait a second. Yeah, this doesn't. This doesn't. It's something, 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 something not adding. <laughs> not going through the balcony sliding yeah. door. <laughs> and after that, I was like, "Oh yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, exist. it's a, it's it's crazy. <laughs> you know, at a, such a young age, I really like actively. It feels like the same way for you, where you just go like, "Oh." He's not real. Like you have like a yeah. like a cognitive like realization. It's not like oh man, maybe he just can't come to our house. You're like nah. oh, it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> like at such a young age, you go like oh, it's fake. <laughs> like just such a realization. Yeah. of like oh, this was all. It's not real. Yeah. I was like wait, I live in an apartment. <laughs> yeah, How does like, this work? In Santa Claus. <laughs> mom, mom, I would like this next Chris. Then we, you know you have a real talk. Like can yeah. you get me this? My dad never. It was that was what my mom. My dad was never a uh, Santa Claus. What you want for Christmas? Yeah. It's a card and. 
you go. It was never that that type of game. I wanna <laughs> when I when if and if and when I have kids, I wanna keep those kind of. I wanna I wanna play those kind of games. I want my yeah. kids to you know have fantasyful you know memories and and playing games and everything like that. I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't feel like deprived from it, but I'm just saying that is why I, I realize now as a as an older person where I go, I don't really have much of an attachment to Christmas yeah. because it just was really um, about the presents. Like it, yes, it really, it. there was no singing music or going to church or it just was like what do you want for christmas i go i want it was just a time to ask for what you want for 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 that year and then you get it or you don't you know yeah and there was no fanfare or things like that so i don't know and um doing doing mushrooms and sitting in in reflection (laughs) and listening to music helps me kind of deal with those thoughts in a healthy way and that's why i enjoy it and i recommend people you know, experiment with drugs a little bit. It's 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 fun, and especially at a time like this, if you take some uh, harmless, natural from the earth drugs, it's all you know. Have a good time, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time for a little celebration. <clears throat> Up first, we got Jeanette Pr- Jeanette P. Shout out to Jeanette P. Shout out to you. Much appreciated. Love and uh, support sent your way. Hope 2020 is going as good as it can go for you. Uh, up next, we got ooh, Kate. Interesting way of spelling Kate. K-A-Y-T. Mm, okay. Kate C. Shout out to you, Kate C. I like the innovativeness. Yeah. Up next, we got Shoshana F. Shout out to you, Shoshana. Shoshana. Yeah, shout out to Shoshana. I, I believe she sent us an email. Uh, and... Uh, Actually, Shoshana sent us the candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah, name. yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. Shoshana sent us the candy. Shout out to you in Frisco. Much love to uh, Shoshana. Uh, up next, this is actually uh, you know six degrees of separation. I don't know if you ever met this person, but this is sl- in an indirect way family. Okay. Shout out to Alyssa C. She is. I don't want to put her business out there. It's nothing bad. I'm just saying, like she's she knows a friend of ours. They have a child together. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, so shout out, shout out. out. Okay, I've never met I've her. Heard, I've yeah, never yeah, met yeah. her, but much love to her. Thank yeah, you for the support. Out. Yeah, and, you, you, and your kid is adorable. That's I've love. tried to tell Rodney you need to get that kid on some Gap ad campaigns or something like that. Expeditiously. Uh, yeah, a kid's lips shouldn't be so pouty and, and, and red at, at such a young age. They man. was over the house a couple weeks ago. Oh, the kid. The kid. Yeah. yeah I yeah, mean, yeah. he's got like a he's got like a like a soccer player's haircut. Yeah. She's doing she's doing great things. She keeps <laughs> the kid tidy because yeah. I know none of that is Rodney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Up next, we got Lucky Jean. Uh, shout out to you, Lucky, Lucky Jean. Jean. Much love. Appreciate you. Is that her name? Maybe. That is, Maybe a, great, she's just, that is a great name. Yeah, if I don't is. think it is. That would be cool. Change yeah. your name to that. Lucky Jean. <laughs> yeah. Lucky Jean Johnson or whatever your last name is. Yeah. It, it rolls out. The, you get me more used to it as yeah. I say it. Lucky Jean. Yeah. LJ. That's, that's one of them. That's like Barbara Jean. You yeah, just say yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you whole thing. recognize them as the whole name. Yes. 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 <laughs> Sally Mae. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. Up next, we got Adam A. Shout out to Adam A. Much love, man. Appreciate it. Um, uh, up next, we got Dorian. Du- oh, Doreen. Sorry, uh, we had a, we had a Dorian. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Flashbacks. <laughs> we had a we had a broad street bully in our middle school. This Jesus. kid was. I mean, oh my god, he used to just knock people out. Girls, everybody. The young Benny Siegel. Oh my god, it was crazy. He had, <laughs> he had fists like ham sandwiches. He was just he would lay them on anybody. So I I cuddled up to him immediately. I was like, Yo, you're mad cool, bro. What's up? You know, got cool with him. His little brother. Yeah. You know, and did he not got a girl? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. That's not funny, but you know, at a, such a no, young at, age. At a young you know, age. He did what? It's like so shocking that you can't help but laugh. Yes. It's like, he did what? Yes. You know, he floored a girl. Yeah. You go, oh my God. He's, yeah. a, he's a savage. Yeah. Uh, uh, up next, we got Monique S. Shout out to Monique S. Shout out to you. Much appreciated. Much love. And lastly, we got Preston H. 
Shout out to Preston H. Thank you to everybody who's joined our Patreon. Anybody that just listens, you know, as of late or has been listening for a long time, we appreciate all of you. Um, uh, one more thing on the uh, Forgotten Women of Juarez. I just want to say, I haven't gotten around to listening to it yet. It's been kind of hectic here in the Affirmative Murder universe. We're trying to get caught up on some um, uh, bonus content for Patreon. Um, I'm working on a side project. Mm-hmm. Fran has been getting his ass kicked at work. Yeah. So, you know, as far as like, we got books last week from people. We got, you know, podcast suggestions. I haven't been able to get in and lock down and, and really start get going through my list of things, but I will get around to it after the holidays. It's just been a crazy time. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Fran, I believe you said you had some stuff you wanted to do or, you know, is that, is that, am I wrong? For what? Well, before we go on a break, I thought you said you had. Oh yeah. I had two random questions for you. Okay. I thought so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Still don't have that music, but you know, yeah, maybe imagine in the mind. Yeah. 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 All right. The first one is what is something now? Let me know. Let me know if you don't understand the question. Okay. Okay. What is something random that bothers you mentally or physically? That nobody would notice unless you told them. Oh, um, uh, I'm real big on the uh, the styrofoam and the like, the foam rubbing, mm. like the packaging. Yeah, the the that oh, it makes me shiver just talking about it. But I can I can conceal it enough <laughs> to where I'll be shivering or turning, yeah, yeah, yeah. turning my head yeah, around yeah. people where they're oh look the the you know this package came today and it's yeah all that shit rubbing together oh it just. Oh, it does something to my spine and my just in my neck. It just is so gro- it just is gross. It's like yeah. nails on a chalkboard. I mm. think it's the same, like it's the same trigger. Yeah, but it's just that sound. For me, it would be like if if one of my uh, let me know if you have this. <laughs> if one of my shoes go untied, uh huh, and I tie that one, mm-hmm. but don't tie the other one. No, that's weird. Bothers the hell out of me. That's because one shoe one shoe was tight now, and the other one is like, and it's like I gotta. I gotta untie this other one That's now. Strange. I think I think <laughs> I think I think Norman Bates had an issue like that. That's like a real one of those ones that it makes you erratically angry. That's yeah. a, that's an odd one, but I respect. I'm not gonna judge. Yeah. All right. Another one is my other question is, what is a random phrase that that people say that you hate? Oh, Bay, Bay. Oh, I'll punch a dude in the face <laughs> just from hearing it, like in their own world. Like yeah. I'm walking down the street and Bay. Can you grab? Mm. Oh, it makes me sick. It makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I don't know one how it came about, and then it's how it's lasted. I thought it would die. No, it was very popular. I thought it would die. I also hate. I uh, I was today years old. I think we need to leave that in 2020. Mm-hmm. I thought we should have left it in 2019, <laughs> but it weaseled its way into now. Yeah, and now uh, what's another one? White kids have started saying, and now uh, it makes me furious. Uh, you know, they like the, the slang gets to them. Oh yeah, and then he ruin it. Oh, simp. overuse it. Simp, simp. I don't know that. Yeah, one. well, like uh, T Pain and e, uh, uh, um, Too Short probably is the person I'm thinking of that I can say was the first person I heard. Just like simp, sympathizing, being oh, okay. sympathetic towards women, and now it's like you see like college kids with fucking quaffed haircuts like bro you're simping bro and it makes me sick Ugh, i've heard that one these young kids these young preppy kids ruin everything oh cool, yeah and then you have to move on south park had the best analogy about it where where chef is like 
You these dang, all these dang white kids, man. First we had in the house. Then y'all started saying in the house. Then we had to change it to in his house. Then y'all started saying in his house. Then we had to change it to in the he's a. Then y'all started saying he's a. Now we had to change it to in the he's a for she's a. Then y'all started saying that. So now we say flip, flap, flippity, bloop. You know, like he just, he just has this whole thing where it's like, we just got to keep innovating because once it gets down and oversaturated and then everybody's saying it, it's yeah. like, oh, this shit is whack now. Yeah. So those are my three bugaboos. Simping, uh, um, uh, today years old mm-hmm. and a bay. The bay is probably still at the top of the list because I don't. I think it's the dumbest thing to call some your a loved one. Yeah, it's just so like I think it's an I think it's an acronym. I think it like stand. I think it's like B period A period E. It's not just a word. I think it means something. Bay or babe? No, babe is fine. Yeah, babe is timeless. Yeah, yeah. Bay. Bay. B A E. B A E. Yeah. Oh, it makes me sick. I, I like hate it. it. And I and yeah. So I, those, I, are, my, those I, are my three. I don't have three. I didn't think it's but my mine number one. By by far is yeah. that's what she said. How often are you hearing that? Who do you work with, Michael Scott? <laughs> Who's saying this around you? Just like old old like just like older white guys. How many older white guys are you seeing on you? I'm, you hear I, it enough that it I makes hear it you enough. Mad? Yes, I don't know if I, I mean I hear it when I watch The Office. I I whenever I hear it, it's a guy next this this guy man. I'm not gonna say his name on here. <laughs> I know he. Not, it's not like he gonna listen to it, anybody. Sure, but this the dude I work next to. It's just like this. Work next to. What do you mean? His case is right next to mine. We when you follow mail, his case. Oh, okay, got it. Next door, next door to mine. So you pat you pass him when you go reload or whatever you do. No, he's right next to me. It's like a it's a shelf, and then he's right on the other side but of the I'm shelf. Saying, but then you go out into the world, right? I don't know how you, I'm trying. Like I'm what telling you? you how your job works or something. Yeah, I don't. Do know. you spend time like indoors at your job? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I thought mailmen were like paper boys. Like you just go load up no. the truck and then you go and you're out in the all all day. No, that's no, not, no. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's wait. Do uh, you are you in indoors sometimes? Like selling stamps for people? No. Oh, okay. I you don't have know. to file up. You have to file up mail. Okay. Sure. I'll explain it to you off okay. off it. <laughs> you got it. Go cool. Because you're like yeah. You I'm look. A, yeah. I mean that's like I, that really is shocking to me. Yeah. I thought it was like you load up at five in the morning. No. And then like how paper people throw the papers on porches. Yeah. You're like I'm out all day. No. That's okay. Not cool. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, the dude uh, next to me is like this older white guy and just just always trying to get these jokes off. Just um, constantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what she said. Saying that all the time. Then he goes um something saying he was like something something came up. He was like. Yeah, no, the supervisor was like, some, I don't know what planet you're on. He was like, I know. Uranus. You <laughs> I was like, I was that is, that is pretty, that is, that is, I, I enjoy some jokes like that. I don't. I enjoy well, some jokes I, like that. If he, if, I, it's every day though. Hold on, matter of fact. He's every oh, day. Oh, because now let me see if I can get one off. Let me see if I can get one. I'm going to call, let me see if I can call my mom real quick. <laughs> hey, baby. Hey, mommy. What's going on? I'm on Amazon and I'm just trying to uh, lock down some uh, presents. So, uh, um, you know, I got you some stuff uh, and I was looking at some Updog and I was like, I don't know if she would like that. So, What's not much. What's up with you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny, man. That's funny, though. That's funny. That's a funny joke. You know, like, that's funny. <laughs> you, but you can't do it every day. <laughs> uh, oh, I love her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that was the second. Yeah. So that was the second one. Yeah. yeah what's some good questions, man. <laughs> 
Um, in some in some oh, in man. some not so funny news, uh, <laughs> there's there was a tragic loss in the podcasting world. Uh, my favorite murder, a podcast that we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for them. Really, honestly, they kind of made it clear, like, oh, you can talk about true crime and not be an expert on it, and you know, just kind of casually talk about true crime. Yeah, they really are pioneers of that. Mm-hmm. Karen and Georgia really did a really cool thing for us this year, and, and you know, shared our promo yeah, on their podcast. Them. Shout out to them; that's been amazing and has led to a lot of cool things. And sadly, Elvis passed away uh, last week. Yeah. Um. Anybody who, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you definitely have listened to my favorite murder. But Elvis is kind of like the staple of the podcast. You know, he kind of sends them off. He's their iconic cat, mm-hmm. and he passed away, man. That's that's, that's kind of sad, you know, because yeah. that was the, that that podcast was literally. The impetus of this podcast. We go, yeah. oh, my God, like that podcast is cool and fun. They have a good time. You want to do that? So um, that was a sad loss. Prayers to, you know, Georgia. I'm sure, you know, I, you know, this year has been so shitty. Yeah. So for that to be kind of the icing on the top of this shitty cake is a bummer. Um. So, yeah, prayers to them. Prayers to everybody. Prayers to Steven and prayers to George, um, to Karen and everybody over there. Exactly right. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, man. Get your cat some catnip yeah. if you got a cat. Get your dog some doggy treats and just... Cuddle up, man, because, you know, time flies. You just, you know. Yeah. You know, those pets, they, they make such an impact on your life, and then they they go. Yeah. You know, like, um, I heard a quote that said something like, you know, uh, animals figure it out before people do. Mm-hmm. That's why they that's why they don't live so long. You know, they, 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 live a, they live a life of just, they keep it light. They don't take life too serious. And then they're like, hey, man, you know, it's been a good ride. I'm out. Yeah. You know, so I like to think of it like that. You know, like, you know, pets are always ready to go before you're ready to let them go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hold your pets tight, man. It's holiday season. Get them a present and just show them some love. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Elvis, you want a cookie? Good boy. All right. And we are back, friend. It is my turn to go first. And my affirmative murder this week is the story of a New Jersey serial killer. My source was an, an article from NorthNewJersey.com. Uh, the piece was created by Christopher Mag, Julia Martin, Tom Nobile, uh, Keldy Ortiz, Chris Padota, and Svetlana Shkolnikova. Those Russian last names are tough, man. Shkolnikova. So shout out to them. Thank you guys for doing all the work and you know, giving me something interesting to talk about on this podcast. Um, So in the summer and fall of 2016, a serial killer stalked the streets of urban New Jersey. He attacked four women in 84 days. He killed three. He used his phone for everything to hunt women, to learn faster ways to kill. Mm. When a murder was complete, he asked his phone for directions home. All of this is incredibly, fo- I mean, all of this is evil, but all of this is incredibly foolish to do in, in any time after, like, 2012. The phones, everything is kept track of. You know, it's incredibly sloppy. What do you mean, just, like, directions home? Like, like hey, Siri, you know, take me home. Oh, okay. You know, and then it would give him directions to get to his house. How, how do they know they did that after, after a murder? Your phone keeps track of everything. Your browser history, any search. Oh, you mean like just like location? You mean? I mean like for the police to do. I mean, oh, okay, like okay. the police right. can go into your phone and, and pull up all of that history. Right. Every app has like a. No, I thought I thought he was like, <laughs> like putting in his notes. Like, I did a murder. He no, no, no. I'm just saying. Did, I'm just saying. Like you know, he would Google. Yeah, that's yeah. ways to dispose yeah, yeah. of a body. Okay. He after killing somebody. I was point. I was I was locking in on the 
the directions home part. I okay, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. you know, he would, you know, I mean, maybe he just wasn't really good with remembering how to get to his house. Yeah, well, I don't, you know. But uh, <clears throat> after most violent crimes, victims and their loved ones must wait, hoping police and prosecutors may someday bring the criminal justice, the criminal to justice. For the women affected by these crimes, hope wasn't good enough. And for Tiffany Taylor, waiting wasn't an option. Police didn't crack this case. Women did. Mm. Women outsmarted this killer. They found him and they stopped him. <clears throat> so Robin West met her two best friends in a jail disguised as a school. As a teenager, she lived, for, she lived at a time at, at Wordsworth Academy, a treatment facility in West Philadelphia for young people with behavioral and mental health issues. It was a place with holes in the walls and exposed electrical wires. A place where news reports detailed how counselors regularly raped and beat their charges. Mm. In that dangerous place, West met Tracy Johnson. Typically silent, West opened up to Johnson, who was two years older. She talked about going to church in Philadelphia with her mother. West was a talented singer and occasionally led the choir. Wordsworth is also where she met Vernicia Patterson when both girls were just 14. They grew so close that they started calling each other sister and twin. West lived most of her childhood with her mother, Anita Mason, in West Philadelphia. Occasionally, she stayed with her father, Leroy West, a Philadelphia school district police officer and assistant church pastor who lives on the, city, on the city's north side. When Leroy West imposed rules like an evening curfew, his daughter dissented. <clears throat> he was quoted as saying, Robin was very adventurous, very strong-willed. It really didn't matter what anybody felt. If she made her mind up to do something, she would just do it. Uh, West and her mother fought often, according to an interview Mason granted in 2017 to the Philadelphia radio station WHYY. West moved out of her mother's house when she was 18. People who loved West learned to use Facebook to track her moods. When West felt happy, she posted Facebook photos with, dyed, with hair dyed blonde or mint green, and when she felt low, she dyed it black. West was looking forward to September 5th of 2016. It was set to be her 20th birthday. She posted photos on Facebook of a sleeveless white dress, which she bought for this very occasion. West Style also helped her with clients at Cheek's 24-7 Lounge, a now-closed clo club in West Philadelphia, one of, se one of a, several. That was a club <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of several where she worked as an exotic dancer. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I don't hate that name. I was going to ask, was it a strip club? It's a strip club. Okay. I think there's better names out there than that. Uh, you know, just off the top of my head of, the, of like, um, the Landing Strip. That's a great strip club name. Uh, Juicy Lucy's, that's a great one as well. Um, 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 <laughs> cheeks. <laughs> I'll be like, cheeks, me? cheeks 24 seven. I don't, it's, there's no innuendo. There's like, you know what that is. If you, if you guessed and you were wrong, you'd be shocked. Uh, like, yeah, she worked at cheeks 24 seven. What's that? A strip club? No, it's a men's apparel store. Yeah. They sell jeans. <laughs> With the asses out. Yeah. They sell assless jeans. Um, leave it to beavers is a great, that's a great, um, it's a great strip club name. Hmm. And, um, are you, did you like Google? Oh, you got these written down? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got oh, okay. <laughs> volcanic <laughs> volcanic eruptions. Okay. Um, but anyway, you know, Cheeks 24-7, straight to the point. <laughs> uh, anyway, she, she, she worked at Cheeks 24-7 is, is the main point. 
According to her friend Quadavia Williams, um, she would often spend time crying about how her parents could never accept her. Robin did like going out and hanging out with her girlfriends, and her parents were church people. Mm. So, yeah, you know, the lifestyle probably, they didn't, they didn't really vibe with that. Yeah. So judgmental sometimes, some church people, man. You know, it's like, live your life. I don't know. What do you mean judgmental? Like, just like just lifestyles, people's sexual orientation. Yeah, they yeah. just well, they, you know, mostly it's old people in there. So yeah, old people will like they will let they, you have it. Yes, no filter at all. <laughs> West and Patterson were also sex workers, often paired up, and they often paired up with each other to keep the other one safe. They placed ads on websites, meeting Johns at hotels in Philadelphia. At the end of 2016. Patterson suggested a trip to New Jersey. The two stayed at the Garden State Motor Lodge in Union Township, 15 miles from Manhattan. After a few nights, they found themselves out of cash with no place to stay. So at 11 p.m. on August 31st, the pair headed to Nye Avenue in Newark, a neighborhood of burned-out homes and weedy lots framed by an abandoned train yard. West wore a red Nike hat, a lacy black shirt, and black shorts. Her black sandals sparkled in the orange glow of the streetlights. It was her first night walking the streets. West didn't really know the ropes, Patterson recalled. One of the first cars to stop was a silver sedan. The driver seemed nice, charming. Who do you want? Patterson asked. The driver pointed to West, so she got in the car. Patterson typed the car's license plate number into her phone. She saved it as a contact. As the car pulled away, Patterson told the driver, be careful with this one. She's my sister, and I love her. Data from the driver's phone captured what happened next. He drove to an abandoned house at 472 Lakeside Avenue in the city of Orange, two miles from his home. He spent an hour inside, and he left at 1.27 a.m. About 20 minutes later, a neighbor called for help. The abandoned house was on fire. Mm. The killer headed westbound. He traveled a few miles on Interstate 280, Then he backtracked. He passed his own home in Orange before returning to the fire. Five cities sent firefighters as the killer watched them attack the burning house. Mm. He watched them sitting in his car. Savage. Inside the inside, the firefighters found a body. It was the most it was the most destructed body I've ever come across, Mm. said Matthew Pasercio a 17-year veteran with the Orange Fire Department and the city's lead arson investigator. Wow. The house continued to burn. The killer asked his phone for directions home, and the following day, Patterson reported West missing. She gave the license plate number to Union Township Police. The plate belonged to a silver BMW. The body discovered inside the burning house was so badly damaged, investigators had to use dental records to identify West. Mm. The determination came two weeks after she went missing. On September 13th, 2016, eight days after West's 20th birthday. Joanne Brown was born in Augusta, Maine. She had, sis- she had a sister and six brothers. They called her Billy Joe. When she was five, the family moved to Newark. Her childhood was hard. Brown developed bipolar disorder and schizophrenia, but she retained a light spirit and bubbly personality. Brown graduated from Westside High School, and she enjoyed fashion and styling hair. Even when her mood suddenly turned dark, she would recover, laughing and dancing with her friends. Her joy pulled people close, 
and so did her abundant pain. Her friend Amina Noble said she was my best friend. She had issues when she was young, and that's what made me draw close to her because she used to come to me to talk about her problems. Brown used drugs, and she worked as an exotic dancer for nearly a decade, first under the street name Secret and later as London. She was also a sex worker. Friends worried for her safety, but she said that that was the only way she knew how to get her money. Mm. So, you know, I mean, how do you tell, you know, right. how, how you, you got to get it how you can, you know yeah. I mean? It's hard. It's hard time, especially year like this, let alone this was this was four years ago. So you can only imagine what this year has been like for some people. Brown looked for help. She moved into a building run by Project Live, a nonprofit group in Newark that offers housing, drug treatment and counseling. In an environment that relied on rules and, regu- and, and regular schedules to counter the chaos of the streets, Brown struggled. She was prostituting and had a lot of male friends supporting her, said Christine Edwards, Brown's social worker at the program. It was difficult with her to get her to keep a lot of her counseling appointments. Brown and Nobles were hanging out with friends near a Popeye's restaurant on Newark's south side on October 22nd, 2016, uh, at the time, Brown was 33 years old. Now, I wanted to just point out real quickly before I I, I move on. I've, I've heard a lot of testimony from people, you know, living on the streets, homeless, people that work in these programs that say one of the hardest struggles for these programs is they have rules like you can't do drugs inside of the place, right? So, you know, I'm not saying every homeless shelter is, is wide open and free, but a yeah. lot of shelters in some cities um, have beds available, but these people who are sick because they have they're going through drug withdrawals if they you know if they can't get their fix they're like i would rather be able to do my drugs and just sleep outside than be indoors and be in terrible pain mm. you know so that's why i i always bring up you know i don't i'm not i don't i don't profess to be any kind of expert or anything like that in anything at all but in countries like sweden and 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 other places they uh drug administering drugs by a professional along with these programs has shown signs of helping people because you give them drug treatment, you uh, give them therapy, you help them find a job. And in the process of that, you help them, you know, with their addiction along the way, but then you provide, you get through to the, to the mental, why are you doing the drugs? And once you break that cycle, you give them a better chance of maybe breaking their addiction because you can't, you can't make somebody get clean if they don't want to get clean. You can't just go, Hey, well, you can sleep in this bed, but you can't do drugs in here because if they're still in the throes of addiction, that's not going to work. So you just need to. I, I I think that we as Americans have this mentality that this mentality that people that are addicted to drugs are like, I'm not going to give that person money so they can go buy drugs and be in a disco ballroom and dancing all night long. You know, like the party's over for these people, man. I was on Instagram live talking with some people a, a couple of days ago and just talking about how when we were in high school and it, it, drugs have been around and destroying people's lives for many years, but we have been the generation that's kind of seen the opioid epidemic take off. Right. So I remember being in high school and going to parties and seeing kids doing oxys, crushing up pills on tables and, you know, doing lines and Katy Perry's playing and it's a great time and everything. And then, you know, that fix, you know, it's, it's fun time as a teenager. And then you get a little bit older, your tolerance goes up, you can't get access to these drugs. And that addiction turns into heroin addiction. And it's not, it's not, it's not fun anymore. Now you're chasing this high. You're just doing these drugs to not be sick. And it's a sad, it's a sad spiral, man. I didn't seen so many, so many people I went to high school with, I graduated with died from overdoses. 
So many people I, I know that I went to high school with are recovering. Like they went to rehab and are now however many years sober at yeah. 28 years old. You know what I mean? So to, to label these people and, and demonize them as if it's like, yeah, man, they're out here. They would rather go, you know, be on the streets and doing their drugs and having a good time than get help. And it's like, no, if a person had a severe stab wound and they were infected and you had a place where you go, well, you can sleep in here, but we don't do medical shit. We don't give you antibiotics and, you know, sew up your wound. Yeah. We don't do that shit here, but you can sleep in the bed. But if you try to heal yourself, you got to get the fuck up out of here. You can't do that here. You know, mm -hmm. it, people will be looking at that difference. Like, oh, that person's injured. That person's going through some pain. They need help. As opposed, But when it comes to drugs, it's very much like, just stop doing the drugs. Yeah. And it's like, no, these people are sick, man. It's, either, it's, yeah. it's just not that. It's just not. Obviously, it's not. That's If I'm, they choose to sleep outside, then they sleep they outside. They sleep, sleep outside, <laughs> betray their family, steal from their family, steal in general, risk going to prison. That's how severe this addiction is, man. So I don't, I just, you know, I'm sure not everybody feels that way, but I'm just saying to people out there who might be thinking like, just stop doing the drugs, man. You're going to risk having a good time and you want to keep having these drugs and getting high and having fun. But it's too late to say something like that if they been out living on the street. That's what I'm like, saying. That's what I mean. That's what I mean by when yeah. I say the party's over. It's like, no, this isn't fun anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're just trying to get by. Like, they just, they need it to, to, to function. It's not a, it's not like, you know, when I do mushrooms in the house, that's me. I'm partying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's nobody on the streets fucking can't find a meal and all these kind of things and they're doing whatever they have to do to try to get drugs on top of surviving from, you know, the things that we need on a day-to-day -day basis, food and water and all these kind of things. Uh, a fix is a part of that because if they don't get that, they will be incredibly sick. Yeah. You know, painfully sick. I've also heard testimonials from people on the streets that say the methadone clinics don't help either because kicking methadone is way harder than kicking heroin because that really can make you sick. Like being on heroin, I hear is, you know, the sick is bad, but the methadone sick is like unbearable. Yeah. So imagine just for one night, you just like, Oh, it's raining. It's cold outside. I'm going to go sleep in a bed indoors. And that whole night is like, I might as well be sleeping in the cold rain because this is, I'm not wet, yeah. but I'm sweating and I'm throwing up and I'm shitting on myself. It's a, it's terrible, man. Mm. So it's just not some party that they're choosing to keep having instead of being with their family or taking care of their kids or whatever thing that you're, you know, using as why aren't you doing this? Yeah. It's a sickness. So anyway, like we're, we're at, so now we're at a Popeye's in Newark. Okay. And, um, Miss Brown, she's 33 at the time. She's out, uh, you know, out in front of this Popeye's. A John arrives at 1.16 p.m. He chose Brown. Usually she left with a she usually when she left with a client, a client, Brown would call Nobles to report her whereabouts and the time that she was expected to return. In her dangerous profession, the call provided a tenuous lifeline. On this afternoon, however, another friend in the group needed to make an urgent phone call. So Brown handed her phone to the friend and then she got into the car. So she didn't, ha she didn't even have her phone on her. As they drove, Brown asked to borrow the man's phone. She called Nobles at 1.30 p.m. Cell phone, tower cell phone towers recorded the phone's location to within a few meters. The destination was an abandoned house at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange. He knew this place very well. Immediately before driving to the Popeyes, he had spent 21 minutes inside preparing for this moment. So he went, mm -hmm. he was at the house kind of getting everything laid out, his tools and whatever he was going to use was already in the house where he wanted it to be set up at. And then he went to the Popeyes, picked up a, a sex worker and then brought her back to the house. Yeah. He took Brown inside. He wrapped her head in duct tape, mm. 
from her eyes down to her chin. He strangled her with a jacket, and then he left her body on the landing of the stairs. So you know how you go down the steps, there's a platform, then you yeah. turn, you go down the rest yeah. of the steps? Yeah. He left her there. Um, this was at around at around 3.03 p.m., and the killer left. Two minutes later, he arrived at home. Four minutes after that, he searched his phone for recent outgoing calls. He called the number at the top of the list. Nobles answered. She asked, is this London? The killer stayed silent. The person didn't say anything, Nobles said. Nobles called the number back three or four times. No one answered. So Nobles reported her friend missing to the Newark police. She always called me every day, Nobles said. This time, something wasn't right. Seven weeks later, on December 5th, a pair of contractors arrived at 354 Highland Avenue. The homeowner had requested an estimate to fix it up. The workers scouted the first floor, then walked upstairs. At the landing, the first man stopped. Boss, he said, I think somebody's sleeping in here. <clears throat> Khalil Weaver was a young, quiet man from the city of Orange, located just west of Newark and encompassing 2.2 square miles. Most kids who grow up here know their name or, 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 or know each other by face, if not by name, by the time they reach middle school because it's such a small area. Mm-hmm. Khalil Wheeler Weaver had few friends. He didn't play sports, rarely attended parties, and didn't date, according to neighbors and classmates from Orange High School, class of 2014. I know he didn't have a girlfriend at all in high school, said Tyrell Benton, a former classmate. He kept to himself. He wasn't popular, but he wasn't bullied either. His circle of friends saw a different side of Khalil. They, they said he, uh, his best friend, Richard Isaac, said he was the funniest guy you would ever want to meet. He doesn't talk too much, but when he does talk, he's hilarious. Khalil also stuck out for his nerdy style. He wore plaid shirts tucked into iron khakis and Ew. plain white Nikes. Say ill? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of dressed like Steve Urkel a little bit. Yeah. But that's the problem. See, you are a part of the problem. Let me read you the next part. <laughs> The quote from that, this is, these are witnesses. Yeah. The quote was, you have to wear Jordans, the newest ones that just came out. Your shirt has to match your sneakers and your hat. That's how you, that's what you had to wear if you were going to get, uh, get after the females. Yeah. It wasn't a street, it was a street style, Benton said. He wasn't a street kid. You knew based on how he dressed that he came from a good home, a good family. Mm-hmm. And I challenged people, black people, I'm talking to black people specifically. We really make a big deal out of clothes and and, and and fresh and Jordans and these labels and everything like that. And I like to look nice too, but I'm just saying you don't have to, it's not like, uh, you don't what dress do? cool. Huh? What I, I just said, ill. You know what I'm just saying? I said, ill because he has, why does he, why does he have his shirt tucked into his pants? What's wrong with tucking your shirt in, man? I tuck my shirt in sometimes. He's not going to a job interview. He's going to school. Yeah, he's going to school. You should, you gotta look studious. Do you? I mean, in, a, in an ideal world, that's what school would be about, not about, like, who's wearing the coolest shit. I didn't say, ill. he need to be having some damn, he need a dicky suit on. Or some, I a said, dicky suit? I just said, you didn't wear, don't, don't. Uh, I'm just saying it's 2020. I uh, Listen, we're talking 2004, 2005, yeah, I had a dicky suit on. But I'm just saying, that's that's look, not my point of reference. I mean, you could say Yeezys or something, I don't know. But dicky suits wasn't cool? I'm just saying it's 2020, I don't know. It wasn't 20, what just happened in one? 20, 2016. 
right, you weren't Dicky Suit in 2016? No, but I'm just I was just saying got as you. an yeah. example. Okay, got you. Uh you just saying the you just saying the shirt tucked in was Yeah, I just why does he have his shirt tucked in? He just wanted to look nice, man. Put that's together. Fine. That's fine. But if, if, the, if, if, if I'm his friend, I'm packing him. But if everybody's making fun of him, and the and the last line is, it was clear from the way he dressed that he came from a nice family. That's yeah. that's what that outfit says about you, and that's a that's laughable. Why is that funny? So like his family probably take care of him, love him and shit. But I didn't say that. But I'm just saying no. But you would be. You said you. I'm, I would have been packing him, making fun of him. If I was his, if I was his friend, I'm like man, what you get, man? Take that damn shit. <laughs> Why you, why you get? Why you walk around looking like Steve Urkel? Man? <laughs> Don't wear that around me. <laughs> Don't do that around me. It's all love, man. That's all this is. <laughs> but I get it. That's making fun of him because he come from a good family and a good a good home. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I just, yeah, yeah. I just want people to get out of that mentality about like you know, I you don't have name brand. You don't need my name kid, brands. my kid is always in the Jordans and they, they're six. Like they're gonna grow out of the shoes. It's a waste of money. It's not yeah. you know. I I, could, I wanted to find the video. There's this kid. There's a video of this kid. He's sitting in the car with his dad. Now I would have absolutely made fun of this kid, but I'm just saying he has the right mentality. He's like six years old, and he's like, I don't think that people should be spending their money on you know. These, and he's like, he's like, he's like eight. Yeah. But he's so he gets it. Yeah. But if you said that to me when I was eight, shut up. Yeah. You know, right. But I'm just he has the right mentality. He's like, you know, I like to think about you know intellect. Like, what are you what are you thinking about? I'd rather spend that money. And make it do something that will last me in the future. You yeah. know, these shoes, they I don't really care about these shoes because I'm gonna walk around outside, they're gonna get dirty, and they're gonna, you know, I'm gonna have to get new ones. Yeah. So who cares about that kind of stuff? What are you doing with buy something that has value? And you're like, yeah, man. But as me as an adult, I'm like, yeah, man, right on. But yeah. at me at that age, yeah, we would have like, oh man, it would have oh. been, been ugly. <laughs> What? <laughs> it yeah, it would have it been ugly. But I'm just saying, like, let's get yeah, out of that. If you don't shut your <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dumbass down talking. Oh, you know, you should buy stocks. What are you talking about? Shut up. But we should not do that. Is my point. We should not stock these, man. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but that is how, as a, as a kid, though, it's, it's different, man. He he's way he's, he's way right. ahead. He, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like that kid is right. Yeah, but he's he just is not right. right at eight. No. <laughs> That's funny. Man. So uh, Orange is a post-industrial city where one person in four lives below the poverty line. But Wheeler Weaver grew up in a comfortable split-level house in a quiet neighborhood called Seven Oaks. His stepfather is a police detective in the neighboring town of East Orange, and his uncle retired as a detective after a career with the Newark Police Department. Mm. By his late teens, Khalil seemed to mature. He was tall with wide set eyes, with wide set brown eyes and a charming smile. He started to DJ parties. He bought a silver BMW. When Isaacs dated a freshman at Rutgers University, Wheeler Weaver started dating her roommate. He became a security guard. He used his phone to explore becoming a police officer, researching the required exams and training. He also used his phone to research homemade poisons to kill humans. Mm. Tiffany Taylor grew up in the, in the Salem Lafayette Apartments, a public housing project in, in Jersey City. She moved with her mother to Orlando, Florida, where she attended Valencia College. She studied psychology and music, and she danced professionally in stage shows. After two years in Florida, she got pregnant, left college, and moved back to New Jersey, where she worked as a sex worker. Taylor met Khalil through a friend. She was 33 and living in, Rose in Roselle with her mother. 
Wheeler Weaver was 20, too young to even buy beer. When they hung out, Taylor drove her Volkswagen convertible to Wheeler Weaver's house in Orange. Taylor would kick his butt in NBA 2K. Mm. She called him youngin'. And he would, he would uh, admire her tattoos and said he liked her dreadlocks. And the fact that she could drive a stick shift car, which is a lost art these days. Like, people need to... That is a skill set that does... It, it will help you in a point in your I life where you would be surprised. Shit, man. It's not hard. If you ever want to rent a car... See, when I, I see it, it's like... It's like uh, when I see it, I go... I don't know if I can <laughs> use my left with the, the clutch and then... Like, I feel like me thinking about it, I go, yeah. that well, seems the thing. super difficult. Once you get it down, you don't think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I would never drive a stick shift car, like, daily, but I would yeah, yeah. I would have, like, a fun stick shift car for, like, weekends yeah, and doing, yeah, like, yeah, hitting right. the road and stuff like that. Um, but every day it would get annoying because yeah. it does, like, make my knee hurt after a little bit, especially if you get stuck on a hill or something like that. Yeah, I heard, like, hills are, like, traffic. It's the worst. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine having, like, a stick shift car in San Francisco and you get caught on one of those hills where the, the train goes oh, up. Yeah. The, you know, those are, like... They're like 45 degree hills <laughs> yeah. and then you're in the middle and then you got a car behind you and a car in front of you. Mm. I could do it because I've been doing it for a while. But if I just learned, nah, I'd be a wrap. Mm. You stall out and then the car behind you is like, go. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> so that, that is a pressure moment. So I wouldn't want to be in that situation. <clears throat> Back to um, Khalil and uh, this young lady. So uh, he was obsessed he kept asking my friends to hook us up, Taylor said. I kept saying no because he was too young and he was sleeping with my best friend. I just didn't want to deal with him. Khalil kept begging to pay her for sex. Eventually, she said yes, although this was a lie. Now, I don't recommend this, but this is, you know, it's, it's, it's street lifestyle. People are hustling, getting over on people. I'm not going to hold this against her, but, you know, I don't know. He's harassing her. Just keep saying, I don't know. Say no. Don't go. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, tricking you. Yeah. You know? So she said, yes, it, although it was a lie. Instead, she planned to rob him. I just got tired of men just wanting sex from me all the time. Looking at me like I was a sex object, which I, I fully get. I fully get. Taylor said, oh, that was what Taylor said. So I just started taking their money. So instead of, she got tired of saying no, and the, so she'd just be like, okay, yeah. And then she'd go to them, take the money, and be like, oh, I'll be right back. There you go. Just pull yep. up. Sad. Wheeler Weaver texted Taylor his address, summoning her to the white split-level home in Orange. She arrived at 8 p.m. on April 10th of 2016. He paid $200 cash up front as, she, as, as agreed. They walked upstairs. She entered his childhood bedroom where she saw a nightstand and the tiny bed of a boy. Wait, she said, I forgot the condoms in my car. Let me go get them. Taylor walked outside, cash in hand, and she drove away. Gone. Out of there. You know, it was like, Aah. Yeah. Uh, her mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. They couldn't pay the medical bills or the rent. Mm. They were evicted from their Roselle apartment. As winter approached, they slept in a car. Also, Damn. before I move on, I just want to say uh, protections on evictions is up after Christmas. I, there's nothing really we can do except bring attention to it and say Congress, Senate, somebody needs to figure out an extension on that. You cannot put people out on the streets in the middle of the wintertime. It I've is, been saying people get put out. Oh, I'm saying, yeah, people are getting put out. Oh. But there are supposed to be evictions protections oh, okay. up until like the 26th of this year. So like the day after Christmas, I think. Or at least Damn. early early in January. Oh. 
at least. I mean, I'm, it might I might be right about the day after. It might be the 26th, but it might be, you know, the first week of January or something. Either way, it's fucking, it's cold. It's a rough time. These people, you can't just put people out on the street, man. Yeah. Hey, come on. Um, but especially in a situation like this, this happens every day. And this could happen, you know, this is probably happening now with people going through coronavirus you know, they get COVID-19, they have to get put on these ventilators, they get these big multi-hundreds of thousands of dollars bill that they yeah. can't pay, and because they can't pay it, they have to mortgage their house or whatever. So be, you have to choose between living and living in this country, and it's so fucked up. Like, you either go to the doctor and take care of your health, or you pay your bills in some, in a lot of cases. Not all cases. Some people are lucky enough to have nice health care and a good system that they work under and everything like that. But for some people, it's like, uh, I'm not going to go get this tooth pulled, man. I, the the mortgage is due next month. I don't got money to just be going to get medical shit done. Yeah. You know, which is so fucked up. So anyway, yeah, so they're out on the street sleeping in a car. Uh, by November 2016, Taylor had a new hustle. A construction worker and drug addict, she knew, this is also like, drugs really fuck up your brain, because here what this new hustle is. Check this out. A construction worker and a drug addict that she knew Rented a room, rented room 32 at the Ritz Motel, a tidy but dreary place on Route 1 in Elizabeth. The addict owned a burgundy Lincoln sedan. He would give Taylor the keys and instruct her to use his car to find drug dealers and buy him crack. In return, he paid her cash. So I don't know if he like didn't want to be seen in public yeah. buying crack cocaine or I don't understand why he needed a middleman to like it's such a weird thing to to spend, you could spend that money on more crack. Maybe he was reselling it or something. No, he was using it in this hotel. Oh. He would be like, bring me, go use my gas, take my car, find me crack, bring it back to this Ritz motel so I can do the crack, and then I'll pay you some money. A finder's fee. Maybe, maybe he owes some of those drug dealers money. Interesting strategy. I like, okay, okay. I'll take that. Yeah. I didn't think of that angle. That's interesting. I was, th- I was thinking he's he going to show his because, face around the drug dealer. Yeah, either he... He's, owed him he's, money, he's burned some drugs. Or he dealers. was, or he was reselling it. He just didn't want the way he was getting it from to know that you know. I guess where to get around at some point or something. But I didn't. I was thinking that maybe he was doing that so they wouldn't mm. know that he's buying it. That part I disagree with because it was like incremental amounts of crack. Okay. Okay. it was like right, it was like users amounts. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to figure. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you hit the nail on the head though. With the I think that maybe he didn't. You know, he might he might have burned some drug dealers, yeah, gave him yeah, some yeah. funny money or something. That's possible. Yeah, he's gonna pop his cap if they see. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, you go do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so she had this new hustle. She's working for this guy. Meanwhile, Taylor kept receiving texts from a stranger. In her line of work, this was not uncommon. The man begged for sex. When Taylor changed phones, he found her number again and kept what? texting. When she declined, he offered more money. Taylor finally agreed. Mm. The date that was set was November 15th, 2016. Her plan? Steal his money, then get away. Which is a crazy, that's like such a bold plan. That's a plan you do one and done. Yeah, you don't just like, I'm going to rob people who are desperate enough to have sex illegally in public that, and get in their cars. It's like a very high risk, probably pretty low reward type of thing. Yeah. But that's the desperation that she had where it's like, if I can get $50 out of this. And not see him again, I'm fi- that's fi- fi- I get it. But it's like, it's New Jersey. It's so small. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's such a crazy strategy. But for to do that. But the desperation. And, and not it. think you not going to run to this person again. Yeah. The odds are pretty low. Yeah. You're going to see this person again. Which I'm sure is important to my dad. So uh, the stranger arrived at the Ritz at 7.51 p.m. It was 50 degrees, but he came dressed for snow. 
He wore black gloves. His brown eyes were framed in a black ski mask. I knew it. A hat and the hood of his black sweatshirt. His clothes concealed handcuffs and a roll of duct tape. Taylor didn't recognize him. She knows people who wear ski masks in the cold, she said. So she didn't find his outfit odd. Her focus was the money. He paid her $80 cash. Taylor drove the Lincoln from the Ritz. The man in the ski mask rode in the passenger seat. He asked Taylor to pull over so that he could pee. It was a ruse. He, he wore the ski mask inside the car? Mm-hmm. It was either, I was waiting for you to say it was either he had something on his face or it was dark. So she couldn't even see who he was. No, he, he did the whole transaction <laughs> like, hey, what's up? Are you are In a you? full ski mask. Yeah. Then they got in the car. He got in the passenger seat. He still, he still had the ski mask on. Savage. And she just was like, I'm, focused, like, I'm just trying to get this money. I'm really, whatever. He has, he has a ski 80 mask. 80 bucks? On. That's his business. But that's a major red flag. Like, you don't go, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And then you take the ski mask off, and then you proceed just, to talk. It's like, he's just sitting there. Yeah, he's he's like, just sitting straight up. And then, you know, excuse me. Looking for <laughs> so, um, so do you listen to um, Kendrick Lamar? Yeah. Or, you know, like. Now you can take the ski mask off. I'm good. <laughs> Got the heat blunt yeah, blasting in the so car. That's, that's crazy. So, like I said, she he asked to pull the car over to um, so he could take a piss, and um, it was a lie. Um, it seems likely that he bashed her in the head with bashed her in the head, possibly with handcuffs, or maybe that he slipped a date rape drug into her iced tea. Either way, Taylor lost consciousness. When she woke up, her head thundered in pain. She couldn't breathe. He pressed her body into the back seat, her neck in a chokehold. I thought I was going to die, she said. As she gained her consciousness, the stranger removed his mask. The assailant looked at Taylor and paused to introduce himself. Mm. Do I look familiar? Movie. You don't remember me? Taylor remembers him saying, you took my money. She screamed, don't kill me, please. Don't kill me. I'm pregnant. I know, Wheeler Weaver said. This is when she knew that he would kill her. Under the loosened duct tape, she cried, please. The handcuffs are tight, so could you please loosen them? And he's raping her while this is happening. Mm. Like He's on top of her in the backseat of the car that she's been using for this guy. Um, her request was granted. He did loosen up the uh, handcuffs. Once he agreed to that, in my head I said, I got him, Taylor said. He's weak. She kept talking. You texted me, remember? My phone has our entire conversation. It has your Facebook account, your address, your name. But my phone isn't here. It's back in room 32, back at the Ritz. Oh, no, Wheeler said. His voice began to rise. We got to go back to get that phone. Mm-hmm. He loosened his grip on Taylor's neck. He moved to the front seat. And for a moment, he cast himself as the victim. Nobody wants me. Nobody likes me. Why do I have to pay a girl to show me attention? And then he started the car. Taylor is double jointed. Alone in the back seat, her wrists behind her back, she folded her left thumb into her palm. Oh, shit. And then slipped her hand free of the cuffs. He didn't notice. She made her decision. If this guy drives past the Ritz Motel without stopping, she was going to drop the handcuffs over his head and pull the chain until it reached his neck and pull with all of her strength. Yeah. She said perhaps she would have died in the crash but she felt prepared to accept it as long as he died too. Mm. Uh, you know, fortunately for her, he's a dumbass. So when he pulled right into the Ritz parking lot, Taylor was surprised. She abandoned her plan to kill him 
quickly slipped her left hand back into the cuffs and Wheeler Weaver parked open, uh, he parked, opened the back door and tore the duct tape from her face. He draped the jacket over her shoulders to hide the handcuffs and he explained the plan. She was going to walk upstairs. He would trail a few feet behind her. She would retrieve the phone and they would leave together. Mm. That was the plan that he told a woman that he just got done raping. Yeah. And then took her to a place where people are and then told her, you're going to go knock on the door and say, hey, what's up, buddy? Um, I'm just here to get my phone and then I'm, I'm out of here. And then go back with him <laughs> to die. Yeah. You know, like best case scenario, he rapes you some more. Yeah. I, and, he, and he thought that made sense. So that's the kind of guy that we're dealing with here. So she like put her thumb. She, she made it to where so, you know, the handcuff tightens at the wrist. At the wrist. But if so you she, make your hand th- thinner than the wrist by, you know, bringing, being able to bring your left thumb over. Yeah. Then you can just kind of squeeze him. That shit hurts. From you. Oh, it definitely hurts. She yeah. probably cut her wrist up and everything like that. But shit, I don't even, I just would have been stuck. Yeah, because I know I can't do that. I thought she like flipped her arms over her That's, head. When I was reading it, she said she double. She was double jointed because my cousin could do that when I was a kid. It yeah, would yeah, disgust yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And you know, back in the nineties and early two thousands, everybody wore spaghetti straps, so you could see her like those two little plates in the back of yeah. your back. You could see them spike out like spikes, and then the arms would Come go back from over. the back and then yeah, swing yeah. and go back. And then oh man, the shoulder would pop out of the socket, and then oh yeah. That's what I thought she did. No, but what she did was still impressive. As, uh, it was like some fucking Jason Bourne shit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was his genius plan. Taylor agreed, of course. She climbed the stairs. She arrived at the mustard yellow door of room 32. She kicked on the door because her, her hands were cuffed. The addict appeared for his drugs, opened it, and opened it immediately, you mm. know, to get his crack. Uh, just as Taylor planned, she rushed in and slammed the door shut, and the deadbolt locked immediately. Mm. automatically Willa Reaver ran to the door he shouted you you lied come to the door uh come outside Taylor opened the green curtain on the window next to the bolted door she raised her right wrist so he could see the handcuffs were dangling mm-hmm. and Wheeler Weaver ran away wow that was probably pretty satisfying yeah. after that ordeal and you thought you were gonna die it's like yeah, fucking you're a dumbass yep. And I got away. I beat you. Um, Seconds later, Taylor tried to lay a trap. She texted Wheeler Weaver saying, you have the keys to the Lincoln, but the car is not mine. Bring the keys back and I won't call the police. She said, well, I had already called the police. (laughs) (laughs) I tried to set him up. I was like, she said, I tried to set him up. I was hoping he'd come back with the car keys and the police would come at the same time. Yeah. Uh, he did, in fact, return. The motel security camera recorded, recorded it. He ran back onto the property, dropped the keys onto the motel stairs, and then ran away. Mm. He came back, Taylor said. He knew, I'm a, he knew I'm a sneaky bastard. I had already lied to him like three times. How stupid can he be? Crazy. Officers from Elizabeth, officers from the Elizabeth Police Department arrived at the Ritz at 9.28 p.m. Khalil was still there, watching police from the shadows. He asked his phone for directions home at, at 9.38 p.m. and drove away. Taylor described the kidnapping, rape, and attempted murder to the cops. She knew the attacker's phone number, his Facebook account, his home address, and she even told the cops his full name. Mm. 
Khalil Wheeler Weaver. The police didn't listen. They accused Taylor of prostitution. Mm -hmm. They threatened her with arrest. Taylor was four months pregnant, and the killer's handcuff dangled from her wrist. The cuffs made her feel like Khalil was still there, strangling her. Taylor begged the cops to remove the cuffs. For an hour, they refused. What? They treated, they treated me like trash, she said. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Police Director Earl J. Graves did not respond to calls and emails seeking comment on these actions from his officers. At Wheeler Weaver's, at Wheeler Weaver's, it's such a fucking stupid name. <laughs> at Wheeler Weaver's trial, police officer Billy Lye was asked whether he had believed Taylor's story. Um, not really was his response. Mm. Speaking to the jury, Assistant County Prosecutor Adam Wells did not hide his contempt to, for the officer. The police treated her as a suspect. They did not take her seriously. They were dismissive. They acted frankly disgracefully towards her. Wells said talking, uh, he said that and he said, talk about a nightmare. Seven days after Taylor escaped, Wheeler Weaver killed again. Mm. Keep in mind, like I said, this woman, this woman had his name, his Facebook account, Everything. where he lived, a firsthand account of she, she was a victim. And they were like, nah, this was, listen, you're out here selling ass and this is a hazard of duty. You know, why don't you fess up to being a prostitute? And then then maybe I'll take you more seriously. Stop lying. You know, it was that kind of thing. And then it went nowhere. I'm blaming that on on the police department. That Well, this happens all the time, man. That, I mean, we talk about we, we of, Yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anything that happened after that night is on the police. Yep. You know, that, that's absolutely on them. Sarah Butler was 5 when she discovered dance. She was walking with her big sister Basanya Daly and their mother in Montclair, a suburb 15 miles west of Manhattan. They stopped at the window of Premier Dance Theater to watch a class. They walked inside and signed up. Daly attended only a few, a few classes, but Butler fell in love. She attended a fusion of ballet, modern jazz, and African dance. Butler joined Montclair High School's dance company, and at age 15, she joined Premier's traveling troupe. In June of 2016, they competed in the Apollo Theater's famous amateur night. I used to love Showtime at the Apollo. By yeah. the way. Butler led her team to a third-place finish, which is not bad at all. Sarah didn't have the typical dancer's body, said Shirley's McKinley, Wiggins, founder and director of Premiere. Our stuff is not always easy. It can be fast, and it can be very athletic. She had to work hard for everything. The same applied to the entire Butler family. Sarah's mother, Laverne Butler, emigrated from Jamaica in the early 1990s, eventually becoming a nanny in Montclair. She married Victor Butler, a bartender at a country club. They raised three daughters. Money was tight. Sarah Butler worked multiple jobs, eventually saving enough money to buy a used car. After graduation, she drove 15 miles to New Jersey City University as the first member of her family to enroll in college. But the struggle to make friends and the but but she struggled to make friends and didn't get along with her roommates. Butler created an account on Tagged, which I've never heard of, a social media site users describe as a place to find companionship. Tag? Tagged. Tagged. Yeah. There she saw the profile of a man who called himself Lil Yacht Rock. Lil okay. Lil Yacht Rock. He typed, You wanna make 
you want to make dollar sign dollar sign and then asked sex for dollar sign. Wow. Sarah Butler texted back. Well, how much, how much are you looking for? He wrote $500. She texted $500 was a lot of money, but she didn't waver. You're not a serial killer, right? LMAO. Butler texted Lil Yacht Rock. He replied, no. Hmm. Which is the most terrifying response, especially if you get the three dots for a little bit, like too long. He's like, you're not a serial killer, right? LMAO. You know, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Once you get past like two Mississippi on that, and all you send back is no, and not, not a joke like, no, what the fuck? Laughing and crying emoji. Anything, just like, no, period. Oh, yeah, you are a serial killer. Have a nice day, and I'll never speak to you again. Yeah, so this is a social media dating site. It's Snap? What is it? Uh, tagged. Tagged. Yeah. Wow. It's still up? Yeah. Who uses tagged? Does it look like Facebook, or does it look like, is it like Tinder? Yeah. It's like Tinder? It's like, uh, it's like Tinder. And Facebook combined? Something like that. It's not like a, a swipe. Okay, thing. all it's right. Just okay. Like, it's uh, like profiles. Yeah. Like eHarmony, like a date, yeah. like a dating. Yeah, Got it. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's still around. Wow. So their correspondence continued. He wanted to meet soon, he said. He needed to leave for work. So they needed to make this quick. Was He was given a sense of urgency. Butler agreed to meet. At the last minute, she changed her mind. She stood him up. Two days later, she reconsidered. Sorry about the other day. I got really nervous, Butler wrote back. I felt like an ass. But your voice and your pick didn't seem to match. Lil Yacht Rock responded, I'm really a cool guy when you get to know me. Lil Yacht Rock. Lil Yacht Rock. Also, any guy that describes himself as a cool guy is probably not a cool guy. Yeah. I'm just a cool guy. I'm just a cool guy. Just I'm super nice and not dangerous. <laughs> um on November 22nd, 2016, the first day of thanks of the first day of Thanksgiving break, Laverne Butler drove her blue Dodge minivan to Jersey City to retrieve her daughter from school. That evening, Sarah asked to borrow the minivan. She wore a red hair extension and a ponytail. She drove alone in the car into the clear, windy night. She picked up Lil Yacht Rock at the address he provided, the abandoned house at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange. Inside, Joanne Brown's body still lay on the ground of the second floor landing where he had left her Mm. exactly one month before. He was still using these abandoned houses to, like, have people meet to pick them up. It's the same burnt, the one that... No, that was a different house. Oh, Joanne Brown was his second victim, where oh, okay. he killed her. the The woman who was um having trouble yeah. staying into the programs and everything. Yeah, 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 okay. He killed her. The woman that he picked up from Popeyes. Yeah. He he killed her, and he it, it was it it was it was about six or seven weeks before anybody found her body. Yeah. And he was still using that location to to have people pick him up, like potential potential victims. Yeah. He would give them that ad- that address. So while her while Joanne Brown's body is still missing and in the house. He's in the house, and he had this young lady come pick him up from that same house. I wonder what the outside of the house looked like. It had to look abandoned. It was an abandoned house. But I think that's just New you... Jersey. I think it just was like, I don't know, all the houses kind of look like this. But that's what I mean, though. Why, like, how, West, how like, how was... West, like how Baltimore looks in some some areas. Okay. But I feel like, how did she notice that? Like, that house looks a little dirty or whatever. If he's, is he on a step, he's, sitting? He's is promising he $500. He's probably, out. he's probably out. He's probably outside for one. I'm sure she didn't like go ahead and knock on the door. Yeah. Probably outside, like right at the end of the drive walkway or whatever. I guess she's already there now, so there's no time. Yeah, she's back. already there. She's like, this house is weird, but he's going to give me $500, you know? So money can make people do all kinds of foolish things, you know? Yeah. You true. can, it can convince you. She already bailed out, but then she goes, 
Oh, that's five hundred dollars. Let me come back. I'm gonna try to get this five hundred dollars again. Like she, she needed the money. Yeah. Wish Cash App was around. Yeah, I need that. Oh, it would have been way easier. To, uh, the uh, the young lady, Miss Taylor. Yeah. She was like, yeah, send me half the money, and then she didn't even have to like go show up. This girl could have been like, send me the money, and I'll come, and then Not oh, come. this looks sketchy. I'm oh like, yeah, just peel off. Just peel yeah, off. yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money in hand is a bad transaction these days. Yeah. Cash at me that. Uh, um. Oh yeah. So, um, Joanne Brown, Brown still laid in the house. Duct tape still wrapped around her face. Outside, Butler pulled up in her mother's blue minivan. Wheeler Weaver climbed in at around nine fifty-five p.m. They drove to a Seven Eleven store a few blocks away. She stayed in the minivan. He got out and purchased a pack of condoms. Security cameras captured his outfit. The same one he wore to attack Tiffany Taylor. A black sweatshirt with a hood uh, pulled low over his face. Black sweatpants, black sneakers, and tight-fitted black gloves. Not, like, super casual. Not not a creepy outfit at all. Just black head-to-toe, covered your face, gloves on. Even in the wintertime, that's sketchy. Yeah. Just black from head to toe and the hood's up and covering your face. It's odd. It's an odd. The hood, I got like hood got like a point to it. It's all high. Yeah, and so and you like your <laughs> eyes have a shadow over them. It's come on, it's a little odd. Yeah. Uh at 10.07 p.m., they drove away. The minivan climbed the wooded hillside of Eagle Rock Reservation and Essex County Park in West Orange. There on a cliffside stands Highland Pavilion, a restaurant and wedding venue with a pa- with a panoramic view of Manhattan. 400 feet from the front door, the restaurant's valet lot sits behind a scrim of trees. A green trailer leans on bulging tires at the edge of the lot. The night was cool and clear. The view of the Empire State Building was excellent. This is where Wheeler Weaver decided to murder Sarah Butler. Mm. He dragged her body behind the trailer. He was sloppy. He allowed her heels to carve parallel uh, trenches into the soft ground. He left sweatpants tied tightly around her throat. When he went, when he went, well, when he removed the packaging tape from around her head, it ripped out her red fibers from the from Butler's hair extension. He deposited the tape inside the van, her van, her mother's minivan. Yeah. He covered her body with leaves and twigs. Her hands and feet were left exposed. Butler was supposed to return home with the van at 8 p.m. When she didn't arrive, Basanya Daly started texting friends, asking if anyone had seen her sister. In the morning, Laverne Butler phoned her daughter. Her calls went to voicemail. A panic rose. On November 25th, three days after Butler went missing, Basanya Daly's friends spotted the blue minivan. It was tucked behind a former factory, four miles from Butler Street and six blocks from Walter Weaver's house. Mm. Police arrived on the scene as Daly and a friend, um, as did Daly and a friend named Lamia Brown. The cops hadn't yet noticed that but noticed re, uh, Butler's red weave. Butler's sister did. Lamia Brown let out a scream. She pointed to the hair extension on the ground beside a blue plastic trash can Butler's mother liked to keep beside the driver's seat. This was all the proof they needed. Sarah Butler wasn't simply missing. She was in danger. The women decided to take matters into their own hands. They drove to Butler's home and opened her laptop. Brown knew the password, so they searched Butler's email and found Facebook, or, or they searched her email and Facebook. Daly's friend Samantha Rivera joined them. 
The purpose was to try to find clues, Daly said in court. They logged into Butler's account on Tagged, where they saw that she had been chatting with a man named Lil Yacht Rock. Daly read the exchange. You want, you want to make dollar sign, dollar sign? The women decided that they had found Little Yacht, they, or they decided that they had to find Little Yacht Rock. Samantha Rivera, Rivera created a profile on Tagged, using someone else's photos and made a fake name. Lil Yacht Rock's profile was among the first to appear. Rivera clicked the button on his profile, sending him a thumbs up. In the days after Butler went missing, Daly and her friends spent lots of time in Montclair Police Headquarters, giving statements and waiting for news. They were standing inside the station on, on November 26th when Rivera received a text on Tagged. It was Lil Yacht Rock. Mm. He began by offering cash for sex. He said his name was Taj. He needed to meet soon before he left for work. The money, the rush, all of it mirrored his text to Butler before she disappeared. Immediately, the women were suspicious. As messages progressed to a call, Rivera pressed a button to place Lil Yacht Rock on speakerphone. Daly, thinking on a fly, opened the camera on her phone and recorded the conversation on video. The women, still, the women were still standing inside the police headquarters. Lil Yacht Rock didn't catch on. Uh, he wanted to meet Rivera very soon, which is like, that's part of his, his MO. It's like, we, I, this has to happen now. I, yeah. you know, I got to go to work soon or whatever. Um, do you want me to stop on by, he said? He's like, so not cool for him to describe. Do you want me to, do you want me to stop on by? Uh, <laughs> uh, the women had to think fast. They needed more information. More time. Rivera lied. She was doing her hair, she said. She had a baby at home, so she couldn't leave until her sister arrived. She initiated a three-way call with Daly, who pretended to be her sister. As, as she stalled, Rivera, ba uh, Rivera baited the hook. She wanted to meet for sex, she said, and she was desperate for money. I live with my sister right now and don't want to be here, she told him. I want to be somewhere else. Eventually, Rivera said she would meet Lil Yacht Rock at a Panera Bread in Montclair. And I'm sorry to bring Panera Bread into this mess and, and, and besmirch their name, but that's where they met. Shout out to Panera Bread. So the Panera Bread was about a mile away from the police headquarters. After hanging up, they went to the cops inside the station and described the planned meeting. The three women stayed there as police sent two detectives instead. Uh, confronted at the Panera Bread, Lil Yacht Rock gave the officers his real name, Khalil Wheeler Weaver. The police would later say that they had no body, no evidence of a crime, no reason to consider him a suspect, and they let him go. Meanwhile, authorities also followed the trail of Butler's iPhone, which sent his, location, which sent his last location ping from Eagle Rock Reservation the night she disappeared on December 1st. Police found her body lying in weeds by the valet parking lot. Thanks to the efforts of Basanya Daly and her friends, police were already homing in on her killer. Five days after, body, after Butler's body was discovered on December 6, 2016, Wheeler Weaver was in custody. All communications by Lil Yacht Rock and his other false names, Taj and Pimp Killer Ghost, stopped permanently. These women are the, are the first true heroes in this case, said Adam Wells, the lead Essex County prosecutor in the Wheeler Weaver murder trial. Khalil we Wheeler Weaver made many mistakes, 
and yet he proved difficult to catch. When he, when he, was, when he searched ways to kill people with bleach, he used his iPhone. When he met Robin West, he drove her to an abandoned house, murdered her, burned the house to the ground, mm. and, returned to the, and returned to watch the fire with his phone right beside, right beside him recording his location. When Joanne Brown borrowed Wheeler Weaver's phone to call a friend, that phone pinged a forest of cell towers, creating a digital trail that led prosecutors to, an, to the empty house where he, killed, where he killed her. Now, I don't know which one is true because I read that uh, some contractors found her body. So I don't know if they're giving themselves credit there or what by saying that they pinged the location or whatever. I don't know which one is true there. Uh, when he attacked Tiffany Taylor near the Ritz Motel and when he murdered Sarah Butler in Eagle Rock Reservation, his phone was there and it was on. Police from two cities, Montclair, home to Sarah Butler, and Union Township, where West had stayed in a motel, interviewed Wheeler Weaver uh, during the spree. Both times, Wheeler Weaver accompanied officers on driving tours. He showed police where he met Butler and West, where he drove them together, and where he last saw each woman, safe and alive, mm -hmm. he said. And they were like, okay, well, wow. have a nice night. Everything he told the police was a lie. His phone records later proved it. Until they discovered Butler's body on December 1st, police found no evidence that a crime had even occurred. It was not easy to prove his guilt. Prosecutors took three years to investigate Wheeler's, Wheeler Weaver's crimes before bringing their case. Their evidence ranged from traditional canine searches to cutting-edge tools like the Zephyr machine, a device created by NASA that allowed investigators to melt Wheeler Weaver's smartphone and harvest its data without the password. Dang, what? I never, I never even heard of that. That's crazy. You can't get away with anything now. As like, a, what's that melt? melt in like I, a te melt, some type technology term? I guess melt or? and get the chip. I think oh. they mean literally melt. Oh, I I don't. That's crazy. <laughs> if anybody has some links on, the, I'll, I, they'll send them. But I'm gonna end up looking up myself. But please send them. I've never heard of the Zephyr machine. Hmm. Anyway, but police did not crack this case. Women did. Women who never investigated a murder in their lives. That's crazy. Bernicia Patterson recorded Wheeler Weaver's license plate. Joanne Brown's check-in call to Amina Nobles helped police connect Wheeler Weaver to the spot where, he was where she was kidnapped and the abandoned house where she was found. But Sonya Daly and Lamia Brown discovered the discarded red extension, which made Sarah Butler's disappearance, disappearance look even more suspicious. Sleuthing by Daly and her friends also established Wheeler Weaver's methodology, using his phone to track women, offering cash, and then rushing them to meet. By finding Wheeler Weaver online and luring him into a trap with police, the women risked their lives. He believed he was hunting his next victim, when in reality, the women were hunting him. Even after Wheeler Weaver's arrest, the women did not stop. Three weeks after she narrowly escaped, Taylor read a newspaper story that Wheeler Weaver had been arrested in connection with Sarah Butler's murder. He was arraigned in Newark on December 13, 2016. Taylor isn't fond of the courthouse, and she hates cops. However, she choked down the fear, and she went to the courthouse anyway. I was nervous, she recalled. Every time I call the police, I always end up wishing I didn't call. 
as Wheeler Weaver was arraigning Taylor sat as, as Wheeler Weaver was arraigned, Taylor sat in the courtroom. After the brief hearing, she approached Wells, the lead prosecutor, where and Taylor was the only person who could tie together all the threads of Wheeler Weaver's murder spree. His phone, his digital stalking, rape, strangulation, and wrapping his victim's head in tape. She was very important, Wells said. We like to think we could have prosecuted this case successfully without hearing from Miss Taylor, but there's no question that her testimony made it easier. Taylor testified for an entire day. She described in open court the failure of Elizabeth police. If the police had believed me, Sarah Butler would still be alive, Taylor said. Taylor sat in the witness box and faced Wheeler Weaver. She told the jurors she robbed this man, lied to him, how he strangled her, and how moments later she played him for a fool. I wanted to see I wanted him to see me, Taylor said. I wanted him to know it was me. On December 19, 2019, Khalil Wheeler Weaver was found guilty of 11 felonies including murder, attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated arson. Each murder count carries a sentence of life in prison. Man. And that was the story of Khalil Wheeler Weaver and the amazing women who collectively solved the case that the police were not really working that hard to solve. Yeah. That sounds like a uh, don't fuck with cats. Yeah, man. Doesn't that sound like a movie? <laughs> like, doesn't that, that yeah. story would make an incredible movie, you know, that's crazy. that, I mean, that's so, and in, so insane that he, we read these stories all the time where he just was kind of, he was kind of functioning in, in anonymity. Like people were, the police were like, yeah, that's a sex worker. So that's just kind of, that's the, you know, tr- uh, that's a, that's a, that's a fear of the trade. That's a danger of the trade. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. I can't, we can't find any proof that this person's connected to that. And they were like, no, fuck that, man. They fucking made a fucking account and catfished him. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy, man. Shout out to them. Shout out to those incredible women. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my story. Uh, that's all I got. What we're going to do is we're going to, you got any questions? Uh, no, shout out to that girl that, um, that got away though. Yeah. Miss Taylor. Shout out to Miss Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and shout out to you know prayers to, yeah, to yeah. all the families who lost somebody, but shout out to um the family of the young lady who the sister was like I'm I'm not I'm gonna help solve my sister's murder. But the fact that she that he was like oh I'm gonna just keep on going after she got away and was like, well yeah you're an idiot and yeah, I got away clearly off. <laughs> the way she played him was so it was like yeah. beautiful it was masterful. She's like fucking dumbass. She yeah. held, held the handcuff up. I, was, I like that. So what about the guy? Wasn't there a guy? There wasn't a guy in the in the motel. Or? Yeah, but he just was there smoking crack. Is that what you're saying? Like he should have went out and did something. I thought I thought maybe she ran in and was like, "Hey, this, this guy's whatever." No, said, no he's he crazy. Was like, he was like, "Who?" They ran out there and get him. No, that didn't happen. I mean, he could at least that's the that's the could have did that at least. I mean, she's bringing him crack. You can't go out and do that. Selfish. Go fight a serial killer. That dude was a jump. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break And when we come back it's Fran's turn to tell you some fucked up shit So stick around Alright it's my turn to go uh, My affirmative murder this week is about The Taliesin Massacre Say it again Taliesin Massacre Taliesin. Yes so this is um, This is about uh, Frank Lloyd White Frank um, White Yes who was the uh, Was a very known uh, American architect, designer, writer, and educator. Mm. 
So he designed. Now Frank Frank White was an educ- he was a uh, architect, but he wasn't the he wasn't a killer like our typical stories usually go. He wasn't a killer in this. Sure, this is just like pretty much a backstory of what um, I talk, I'm gonna talk about. The okay. killer in this story um, was Julian Carlton. Carlton. Okay, and I'll get to him later in the story. I just wanted to give some background information about. Um, where these massacre, where this massacre took place. Sure. So Frank Lloyd Wright was a very well-known American architect, designer, writer, and educator. He designed more more than a thousand structures over a creative period of seventy years. Seventy. Seventy years. Seventy. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Uh, Wright believed in um, designing in harmony and in harmony with humanity and its environment, a philosophy he called organic architecture. Hmm. This philosophy, this philosophy was best. Exemplified by um, Falling Water in 1935, which is a probably one of my favorite houses I've ever seen. Beautiful, it's a beautiful house, um, which has been called the best of the best of the best all time work of uh, of an American architecture of an of American architecture. Sorry, as a founder of organic um, architecture, which means this organic architecture is it means that um, he wanted to build houses. So it's called falling water. Yes, he wanted to build houses in like with nature, but he wanted to blend in with nature. Not it's one. It's all one. It's all one thing. Yeah. So not not building something that that you it, that vision like, of oh, the house. Oh, let's go outside and the nature's out there. It's like no, the nature is inside. It's with the house. With so it's not outside. like so it's like when you look at the house, it, it don't go. Damn, this is a well, big that's, ass that's, house, and you gorgeous. forget about everything around it. it. It's like one with the mountain. It's that a is beautiful on. house. You should check out World's Most Extraordinary Homes. That's one of my favorite shows. Is that on Netflix? Yes, Pierce and Caroline. Yeah, I've oh seen that. Yeah, yeah, I love that show. Um, that house is dope. Yeah. Uh, so as a founder, it got like a waterfall under it and yeah. stuff. Oh, it's beautiful. As a founder of organic architecture, Wright played a key role in the architectural movements of the 20th century, influencing three generations of architects worldwide through his works. He also built um, he built the Salomon R. Um, Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but I've, I've just seen it. I've, never, I've been to New York City, but I've just never seen that. Yeah. It's just crazy built, like fucking building, like it's like. Like this dude was a visionary, a visionary genius. Mm-hmm. It was it, the stuff that he created was crazy. Um, so the Taliesin was um, was sometimes known as the Taliesin um, East and Taliesin Spring Green or Taliesin North. After 1937 was the estate of American architecture Frank Lloyd White. Um, so it was located uh, 2.5 miles south of the village of uh, Spring Green, Wisconsin, in the United States. It was about 600 acres, um, 600 acre property. And was developed on land that originally belonged to Wright's uh, maternal family. So it was um, that property was built on a hill that he liked as a kid, and he went on and was like, "Okay, I, I want to buy this, and I'm a throw Make my creativity dope. all over it." Yeah. So the, uh, they also said that um, I read a couple different articles on this on this massacre. Um, they said that the Taliesin was essentially a biography of him, written in brick and stone. So oh. it was like everything about him was wow. That's just, very poetic. Was 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 um was in this this house. Mm-hmm. Um so like they were saying that the house was everything about him being in yeah. architecture, his his greatest work. Wow. Um so Wright des- uh Wright designed the main Taliesin home and studio after leaving his wife and home in Oakland Park, Illinois, with his mistress, Mama Borthwick. Um they called the Taliesin, the media called when this news got out. So this is around the time where it was like, oh you you, you cheated on your wife, and it was like, oh, everybody just didn't like him. Yeah, okay, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then in, 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 infidelity, yes, an adulterer, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You cheated on your wife, leaving your family. We don't, we don't condone that. Yeah. 
Uh, so the medium, the media called the Taliesin home the uh, love castle or the love cottage. Mm. The design of the original building was consistent with the design principles of the Prairie School. Uh, so a Prairie School was something he created. Um, I think that's what part of the um, Taliesin home is is a part. It's like a school. I think it's part half of it or like part of it is like a school now. Okay. Um, the Prairie is just. Um, a style home. I'll explain that a little bit. Cool. So emulating the flatness of the plains and natural limestones, outcrop, outcroppings of Wisconsin driftless areas. The structure, which included architectural and stu- studio wings, was completed in 1911. The name Taliesin means shining brow in Welsh. Mm. Was, init- was initially used for this building. The initial use for this building, um, so you saying that it was built on, it was built on and into the brow of a hill or ridge and is later used and in, in later for the entire state. Okay. So a prairie style is an architectural um, style of building which that believes a structure should reflect and pay homage to the surrounding environment. This movement, also known as the Prairie School, is a similar is similar to the arts and craft movement um, and is known as the first distinctly American architectural style. So the style of these houses are still used to this day. Right. So prairie houses plans are characterized by low horizontal exterior um, configurations, flat or low pitch hipped roof lines, deep overhangs and rows of, of tall ribbon windows and or horizontal waves of windows. The use of organic materials both on the interior and exterior aid in the environment blend of the house. Um, so just saying it gives you that look just so it blends in with the natural surroundings of the house. Yeah. So um, just a side note here, the outside... Plaster walls were similar but mixed with cement, resulting in a, a grayer color. Windows were pl- were placed so that the sun could come through openings in every room at every point of the day. I love good 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 sunlight. Yes, and the reason why I'm giving you these details because I just wanted it it, it it pointed out to me that like this dude was was so creative that he was like building these houses or structures or whatever. It was like. Everything went into it. Like yeah, stuff that you art. would think, stuff you would think about when you build. If you was going to build a house from ground up, mm-hmm. you wouldn't go put a window here. Th- window here so the sun can hit this mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. Um. So Wright chose not to install gutters so that the so that the ease of the house, which is like the side of the houses, uh-huh. that he wanted them to hang over. So in the winter time, it would create icicles. So he didn't oh, have gutters. Damn. So when he left the window, this, like, oh, this dude is hard. That is crazy. <laughs> so that is wild. So um, yeah. So he chose to not install gutters because he wanted the icicles to form in the wintertime. But you know, he not only did didn't install gutters, he did some slick shit to where the water still went away from where it was supposed to go. Yeah. You just don't even know. Don't even know where it, it just at. goes away. Uh, yeah. He so wanted sh- icicles. <laughs> wanted icicles. So he designed the house so that icicles were formed. Crazy. Uh, so the shingles on. On the gradually pitched roof were designed to weather silver gray color matching the branches of nearby trees. So in 1903, while Wright was designing a house for Edwin Cheney, which was a neighbor in Oak Park, he became enamored with Cheney's wife, Mama. Oh. Mama Borthwick Cheney was a modern woman with interests outside the home. She was an early feminist and Wright, and Wright, uh, and Wright viewed her as, a, as his intellectual equal. Mm. Their relationship became the talk of the town. They often could be seen taking rides in Wright's automobile through Oak Park. So he was married and she was married. Yep. That's double infidelity. Yes. And he was designing a house for a client. Who was her husband. Who was her husband. Wow. 
Um, so their relationship like sounds like a Richard Gere movie. Yeah, into it. So their relationship became the talk of the town. Oh yeah, and they often uh, take rides in his automobile in Oak Park, which you know his car. You know his car was nice too, nicer than her husband's. Yeah. What it, I mean, this dude was well, he, he was rich. He too, was yeah. rich. He, he could he could afford to pay this dude to make his house. Yes. So, okay. All right, yeah, no. he was rich, uh, and they also said he had like financial problems. Like he was spending it as fast as he was getting it. The guy, the, this, the architect. Yes. Okay. So like these houses, he was like owing I money. Need to, and I need to. I need to build this house. <laughs> yes. I need work. Yes. But this news get out put a halt on some of his work at some point because mm, nobody wanted to work with him. Yes. Um, in 1909, Wright and Mama and Mama Cheney met up in Europe, leaving their spouses and children behind. Oh, damn! Wright remained in Europe um, for almost a year. First in um, Italy, uh, where he lived, where he lived with his eldest son Lloyd, and later in um, what's his Fisley, uh, Italy, Italy, Italy. Yeah, what part? Fisley. I don't know. That's how you say. Let's go with it, Fisley. Well, I'm not from Italy, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, so he he um moved to Italy with his mistress, stayed there for a year with his son that was also living there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um during this time, Edwin Cheney granted Mama a divorce, so his mistress and her husband got a divorce. Though Kitty, Kitty is Wright's wife, wife. still refused to grant one to her husband. You got a grant a divorce? Is that how it works now? Still, I wonder. Oh, you got to sign the. You got to sign the papers. papers. So I'm guessing yeah, yeah, yeah. she she just didn't want to sign the papers. So after Wright returned to the United States in October 1910, he persuaded his mother to buy land for him in Green Spring in Spring Green, Wisconsin. Another article. Well, let me read this part first, and I'll get back to that. Okay. So he persuaded his mom to buy him this land. Um, the land bought on April 10th, 1911, was adjacent to the land held by his mother's family, the Lloyd Jones's family. Wright began to build himself a new home, which he called um, Taliesin. Yes. By May 1911, the, re- the reoccurring theme of Taliesin also came from the mother's mother's side. Taliesin, which is Welsh uh, mythology, uh, was a poet and a magician and a priest. The family motto was the truth against the world. Was The motto was in Welsh. Uh-huh. Um, was taken from the Welsh poet um, Lolo Mergnawg. Maybe somebody knows who's. More information on that. Sure. Who also had a son named Taliesin. The model was still used today as as the cry of the druids and the chief um, board and walls. Now, the other article this the this article said that he persuaded his mom to buy him the land to build the Taliesin on. Right. And another article I read that he that Edwin Cheney was it Edwin Cheney. Edwin Cheney was his rich dude. Mm-hmm. He got the money from him. This guy was like his lender or whatever. Also, that's the guy who well, whose wife. He bought, yeah. Okay. He was he got money from him, but he used. He was like, "Hey, man, I need some money to build this house for my mom, who but was elderly." But it was for him and his. But his, it was for him his wife and his wife. Wow. So I don't know what story is true, but wow. two different articles said two different things. A scammer. Yes. Um. I'm I'm gonna go with the one that's more salacious. Me too. I like that one better. Me too. I think that's what happened. Yeah. Um. Cause he, cause that guy, he didn't just build him house. They was like business partners. He was like he he would loan him money for different yeah. projects. Swindled him out of some money. Yeah. He, and he stole his wife. Yes. He like loaned him up to like seventy five thousand dollars, um, to to do different projects. And this is like nineteen twenties or something like that. Nineteen hundred. Yeah. Nineteen yeah. nine oh nine or whatever. That's probably like five hundred thousand dollars back then. Yes. Um. 
I did read that he when he left his he left his he had like three kids. He had three kids and a wife. He left all of his wife, all of them. Because he didn't, and he was already in financial trouble, so he really like yeah. left them high and dry. Yes, and yes, and he said that I, I did read that he left a nine hundred dollar grocery bill with his wife to pay while he was looking. like, you know, I'm out, I'm gone. Lo- true love conquers all, and then just was gone. Yep. So Julian Carlton was a 31 year old man who came to work as a um, a sh- a chef and a servant and handyman who did general work around the property at Taliesin for the summer. Carlton was an Afro-Caribbean of West Indian descent, um, allegedly from Barbados. He was recommended to write by John um, Vogelson Jr., the caterer for the Midway Gardens Project. Carlton and his wife, Gertrude, had previously served in the house of um, Vogelson's parents in Chicago. Originally, a um, so they were saying that he, this guy was just, always happy around around uh this guy's John Vogelson's parents house. He was just always happy. So Carlton grew increasingly paranoid prior to the attacks, even keeping a hatchet in a bag next to his bed. Um so he stayed up he stayed up late at night with a butcher a butcher knife looking out of the window. So before I explain to what I'm about to get into, uh-huh. this massacre that happened, this guy had some type of mental problems that that happened before this. Sure. Uh, so the behavior had been noticed by Wright and Berthwick, who issued an ad in a local paper for a replacement cook. Carlton was given his notice, was given notice that August 15th, August 15th, 1914 would be his last day um, as their chef Everything. and handyman. Yeah. Now, they were saying that this could possibly possibly be why he went off the rails. Okay. And about to be fired. Losing his job. But his wife was like, you know, he was going, you know, he was having these, these, um, issues, these issues before or these, this, these episodes before this all happened. Got it. So they didn't know which, what happened first. I think it had to be something mental or something mental going on. Yeah. I think it was way I mean, more. It could have been both. It could have been both. He was yeah, having a mental issue and then the getting fired was the trigger. Yeah. But they was, but him, they, the wife did um, mention that they were about to, before this happened, they was about to move. They was about to, they had a uh, train to catch. They mm. should go to another city and look for work. Got it. So they had another plan in place. You know, I don't know. So before he left, Carlton plotted to kill the residents of Taliesin. His primary target was draftsman Emil Brodell, who had called Carlton a black son of a bitch on August 12th for not following an order. I mean, that's pretty light for the 19... 19- 12 or whatever. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. not cool, it's, but like... It's not it, the N-word. Yeah, it could have been a lot... It could have been a lot worse. But I guess then it was like, it, that's gra- just equal. My that's grandmother equal. has called me a black son of a bitch before. You know? Like, just, you know, on some anger. Like, you know, you you, you know, yeah. don't do the dishes or whatever. You don't take the chicken out of the freezer when she asks you to. Just a little quick, little offhanded comment. Yeah. So... Well, I, then I, I I think then it was, it was close enough. A white dude calling you a black son of a bitch was... People probably think that's close enough. That's almost the N-word. I guess. I, 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 think, I guess it all depends. I, I'm, saying, I'm saying I don't know if I'm going to homicide off of that in 1912. Well, I don't think that's... I think that's just was like, oh, I remember you called me this. Oh, okay. You're first. It's like, oh, I was going like, to kill you anyway. <laughs> anyway, but you're that's, first. Yeah, got it. So Brodell and Carlton also engaged in a minor physical um, confrontation two days later. He planned the assault targeting the targeting the noon hour when Borthwick, 
Now, who was the mistress? Yeah. Her children and the studio personnel would be on the opposite side of the property awaiting lunch. Wright was away in Chicago completing Midway Gardens while Borthwick stayed at home with her two children, Mm. 11-year-old John and 9-year-old Martha. He approached Weston and asked permission to retrieve a container of gasoline in order to clean some some soiled rugs. Mm-hmm. What do clean you need? <laughs> I mean, listen, gas is very strong. I'm sure you could get like the paint off of a car with some gasoline, but I probably wouldn't soak rugs for inside of the house in flammable liquid. Yeah. But, you know, stranger things have been done, I guess. So Weston granted the seemingly harmless request unwittingly. Did it seem harmless, <laughs> harmless though? I don't know. You just somebody goes, "Hey man, I need the, I need the gasoline." If I'm in the middle of something, "Hey man, I need the gasoline." To do yeah, something. okay, okay, maybe. Well, I don't yeah, know. hey man, hey, maybe, yeah. I get it for you. Whatever. Yeah, here, give him the can real quick. <laughs> if somebody came to me and was like, "Hey man, um, I'm gonna um, use this can of gasoline to soak your, the carpets on the first floor of your house," cool. I would definitely not think that was harmless. <laughs> but you know, like you said, maybe if I'm busy, you know, I'm busy, I'm in the middle of a project. So Carlton returned with not only the gasoline, but a large axe as well. Still perfectly not, nothing strange going on here. (laughs) Yeah. Carlton grabbed um, his hatchet and began an attack. He started with Borthwick's, who were waiting on the porch off the living room. Mama Borthwick was killed by a single blow to the face. Mm. Her son John was slaughtered as he sat in his chair. Martha managed to flee, but was hunted down and slain in the courtyard. Jesus. He then coated the bodies in gasoline and set them on fire setting the house ablaze. Carlton then turned his attention to the other six residents, pouring gasoline underneath the door of the far end of the residence. Are these like workers? And setting on the fire. Yeah. Jesus. These are people that's worked around the house. Yeah. My guess is he planned this and was like, Mr. Wright's gone. Killing everybody. And everybody's here that's usually here. I'm getting everybody. Wow. Um. Yeah, so he set the house ablaze. Carlton um, turned... Then turn himself, turn his attention to the other six residents, pouring gasoline underneath the door to the far end of the residence and setting it on fire. Draftsman Herbert Fritz managed to break open a window and escape. So now at this point, people are just like jumping out of windows yeah. trying, to, trying to escape. Um, though he broke his arm in the process, mm. Carlton then entered the other dining room and killed Brodell. He then hid. Now, um, some of the it was a couple of people that jumped out of the window. Right. He went and hunt them down. I think oh. it was only two people, Fritz and the other guy, I can't remember his name, was the ones that got away. Got it. But the other ones that tried to jump out the window, he was hunting them down yeah. with an axe. So he then hid, waiting for other residents to try to escape. As foreman William Weston and his 13-year-old son Ernest ran through the door, Carlton attacked with, attacked with the hatchet. The Westons escaped, but Ernest died from his wounds um, hours later. Mm. Carlton sought out the final two residents, laborer Thomas Bruckner and gardener David Lindblom. Bruckner and Lindblom managed to fight off Carlton and escape, but died days later for their, from, from their burns and injuries. Mm. With, the house empty, with the house empty, Carlton ran into the basement and entered a, fireplace, a fireproof furnace chamber. He brought a small, a small like, glass of hydraulic acid with him as a fallback plan in case the heat became too much for him to handle. And he would kill himself? And he would kill himself. Mm. So Carlton did So Carlton did attempt a suicide by swallowing the acid, but it failed to kill him. Oh. Lindblom and Weston, Weston alerted neighbors, alerted the neighboring farm of the attack, 
Weston then returned to the studio and used the garden hose to help extinguish the flame. So the place didn't completely burn down. They got help fast enough where they came back and put out the fire. I think the fire was just to the studio area of the house. Did the dude in the chamber survive? Yeah. So his efforts, um, his efforts saved the studio. Well, this is going back to the guy when he came back. His efforts saved the studio portion of the building, um, and the many write and the many write um, manuscripts. Uh, eventually, neighbors arrived to assist in putting out the fire and search for survivors. Iowa County Sheriff John Williams located Carlton and arrested him. Carlton was transferred to the county jail in Dodgeville. Gertrude was found in a nearby field, apparently unaware of her husband's intentions. She was dressed in travel clothes, expecting to catch a train to Chicago a with Julian sto- to seek a new job. A likely story. You don't think that's true? No, oh, I think they, they were going to get gonna, out of town. They was going to go? Yeah. And he was, she was waiting? It took him too long, or he got caught or something. You know? Possibly. Uh, so Gertrude so, was... Uh, we just happened to be leaving tonight. I didn't even know we were... I, I thought we were just going to leave town. I had no idea. Yeah. He what? I don't think she knew. I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe her. Don't <laughs> so Gertrude was released from police custody shortly after the incident. She was sent to Chicago with, with $7 and was never heard from again. The hydraulic acid that Carlton in, ingested failed to kill him, mm. but did badly burn his esophagus mm. and his stomach which made it difficult for him to ingest food. Mm. Carlton was indicted on August 16th and was charged with the murder of Emil, Emil Brodell, the only death that was directly witnessed by a survivor. So he did what? That was the only, I, that was the only one they can go. He definitely killed, killed this person. Yeah. What did they think happened? Everybody else just burned, burned up in the death house by know. accident? Well, um, what's her name had a, an axe, axe to the face. Yeah. Killed the other two, the two children. I don't understand that. That's crazy. And um, asked a couple other people. They'll, but those people died later from injuries, and one died from the burns. Those I'm not so much as like, you know, that could be, you know, maybe they didn't have second degree murder at this time or something, yeah. you know. But he blatantly killed the, the madam of the house yeah. and her kid. And then anybody that, like, died from their burns a couple days later, you know, you can't say, like, he murdered them that night because yeah. he didn't. Well, but. I think the Brodell one was because they had a fight. Somebody probably was like, they, well, they did got into a confrontation a couple of days before this. Um, so I guess they you, okay. they just they put that one on. So this, 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 like, black dude in the early 1900s happened to just have a really good lawyer and wasn't railroad. Because they could have just gone, hang him. You know, like, yeah. he, did, he did it. He, well, he was almost lynched. That's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand how it's like he got this... This this sounds like injustice as far as they they didn't sentence him properly. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you he he's not gonna go get to live his life now as the oh, no, no, the no. black dude that killed all these women and kids and everything like that. No. Um so yeah, Carlton entered a non guilty plea. Forty seven days after the fire, before the case could be heard, Carlton died of starvation in his in his cell. Mm. Now, yeah, two, wow, articles, what a two, article, two different articles I read said that he couldn't he died of starvation because he couldn't eat. Because of the hydraulic acid, mm-hmm. and the other one was that he just he refused start, yeah. he refused not to eat, or they just didn't feed him food. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the bodies of the of the dead and injured. You were think brought, those police officers were concerned about uh, making sure a he black ate. guy in a nineteen? 19- no, 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 no. Um, you can't eat. Oh well. Yeah. So what? Uh, so the bodies of the dead and injured were brought to Tiny Dairy, um, which was uh, the name of an estate which is Welsh for under the oaks. And that was the nearby home of Wright's sister, John Jane Porter. Wright, re- Wright returned to the Taliesin the night, um, that night with his son, John and Edwin Cheney. 
Cheney brought the remains of his ch- his children back to Chicago while Wright buried Mama Borthwick on the grounds um, of nearby Unity Chapel. Uh, and this is the chapel of the mother's side of the family where, his, where their family was all buried at. Mm-hmm. So heartbroken over the loss of his lover, Wright did not mark the graves because he could not bear to be reminded of the tragedy. Tra- tragedy. Eh, I'm not really... I don't know about that one. Also, they said that. No, why not? He was out of town. Something really fucked up happened to his family. So don't they don't get a like they don't get a, like a, a stone. Oh, I thought you were saying like you didn't agree with like if you thought that he was telling the truth about his reasoning. No, 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 no. Just it's fucked up. Yeah, it's fucked I up. Think, like, yeah, I mean, I, mar- I, unmarked grave. Yeah, but women, it. women, women then and women now in a lot of cases are like, well, it was just like my thing, and now my thing is gone. So I'm bummed out. It doesn't really matter. Her, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Her, you know, I'm sad. My toy is gone. Yeah. So I don't want to be reminded of the sadness, you know, mm. like she didn't have like her own identity. She was my woman. Yeah. So I don't want to be reminded. It makes me bummed out. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. This is what it is. Uh, so he also he also did not hold a, a funeral service for Borthwick. Um, OK, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's a little fucked up. Yeah. Uh, also, they said that when they when he when they called him to let him know about what the hell happened at his house, mm. he was like he asked about the property first. Before asking about anybody else, you think the funeral cost too much money? Maybe because he didn't have any. Yeah, um, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so although he did not fund and attend services for his employees, I'm sorry, he did fund and attend <laughs> services for his employees. So they got funeral. So services? they got funeral services um, that he paid for. Hmm. Um, and Wright struggled with the loss of Borthwick, experiencing symptoms of conversion disorder, insomnia, weight loss, and temporary blindness. Um, after a few months of recovery aided by his sister Jane Porter, Wright moved to an apartment he rented in Chicago at 20, 25, 25 East Cedar Street. The attack also had a profound effect on Wright's design principles. So he's saying that after this, he couldn't even, I guess his couldn't mind wasn't there. He couldn't do his thing. His inspiration was lost. Yep. Um, so on April 4th, 1959, Wright was hospitalized for abdominal pains and was operated on April 6th. He seemed to be recovering, but he died um, quietly on April 9th. After his death, Wright's legacy was um, plagued with turmoil for years. So after Borthwick passed away, he got married like two more times oh, after damn. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so his wife, um, this is a crazy name, Og- Ogliviana's dying wish had been that Wright, she and her daughter, by her first marriage, all be cream- cremated in um interred together in a memorial garden built um being built at the t- at the Italian East and West. So they was his his like last wife was like, I wanna be I wanna be buried with buried you. with you on this property. Yeah. He was like, nah, I'm gonna go see my wife when I die. My first wife. Well he was gone. He was dead. Oh he was dead. By, oh, okay. He was dead oh, okay. Uh so according to his his own wishes, Wright's body had had lain in the Lloyd's Jones Cemetery next to the Unity Chapel um near Taliesin in Wisconsin. Although um, Aglianas had taken no legal steps to move Wright's remains and against the wishes um, of other family members as well as the Wisconsin legislator, in 1985, Wright's remains were removed from his grave by members of the Taliesin Fellowship, cremated, and sent to Scottsdale, where they were later interred in a memorial garden. The original grave site in the Wisconsin, now empty, is still marked with Wright's name. So... Where he was born originally, just has he's not there anymore. Yeah, it's just like a he's memorial just site. Stone now. Um, so now his, all his projects that he, that he, that he's done are 
either historical landmarks being used as a studio or school um, for upcoming architectures. Right. Another another thing that I did read was this dude, um, Edwin Cheney, loaned this guy all this money, right? Mm-hmm. Right, never paid him back. Oh, of course not. For any of the projects he did. Mm-hmm. This, and the stock market crashed. This dude lost everything uh-huh. and died broke. Didn't have nothing. Took, guy took his money. Took his wife. Took his wife. I'm, I'm surprised like, he didn't kill him. Yeah, just like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And this dude, and a lot of things that I read, a couple of things that I read that this dude, which remi- it reminded me of a, like um, R. Kelly, for example, because of okay, all this, he was like a he was like a douchebag. This dude was an asshole. Yep, yep. All the stuff he did, people didn't like him. But his work, it was like hard to keep it going. Compartmentalize those two. Yeah, it's like he's bad, but he's making us money. He's successful. He's yeah. he's on top of the world. Yeah, yeah. So when I read that, that's the first thing I thought about. Was like, that's exactly what it reminded me of. It's like people yeah. go. Some people went like, I don't even like. I can't even look at any stuff because it, it, especially if they if they're like architects, they really into something like this. Yeah. They go, yeah, I can't even like look at this dude's stuff and then be like, oh, you know, he was a genius. I can't give him that type of praise. I mean, not for like, infidelity though. <laughs> it's not R. Kelly level. I don't think yeah. anybody's like, man, he cheated on his wife, so I can't appreciate Waterfall the same. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't agree with that. But at the time, maybe. Yeah. But I think now enough time has passed. People are not as prudish as they used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I come across that house, I'm like, that's fucking gorgeous. I'm that's not like, oh, house. that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the guy, you but know, the guy I, well, that, that's probably what I meant. Oh, the guy that built it? Fucking people probably were saying that. Stole a guy's wife? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. it's canceled. That house is canceled. Yeah. Well, no, nah, that's, that's a. That's a beautiful house. That's a beautiful damn house. That museum you built was beautiful. But that, it kind of, that's, I know it's like, it's not on that level, but. No, I got the sentiment is the same. Yeah, I get yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I get it. Um, does he have anything to do with the murder? I don't think so. I don't think that had anything to do no, with it. No. I think this is just wrong place, wrong time, yeah, disgruntled yeah. employee. Yeah. You know, I Lucky he wasn't there. Shit. Yeah, he would have killed everybody. Now I do think, here's my theory. I think his plan was some saw shit. I think that he, you know, he 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 thought, I'm gonna burn this house down, hide out in this thing. You know, hopefully it doesn't burn me up. But if it does, I got my backup plan. I got my plan B. Yeah. But I will lay. I will chill out here until they, you know, put the fire out. Everybody leaves, and then I pop out, go meet up with my wife, and we and go, go get on the bus. Yeah, I think that was the plan. Yeah, I think his plan was to get away too. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying. No, I'm saying I think his wife knew the plan and everything. You think his wife knew. Yeah, I don't think, his wife I think knew. he was like, wait here. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna probably. They're probably gonna finish up here around this time and leave, and I'll be in the little container thing, and then I'll pop out. And if I'm not here by this time, I didn't make it. I think it was one of those kind of situations. Mm. Wildly speculating, though. Yeah, uh, this is none of this is can be proven, but it just sounds more interesting. Because why not just run? Why hide in the the thing? Maybe it was like were the people coming? Oh, maybe, maybe it was like um, meet me here. I'm a, I got this guy. I got to go back and do something. Meet me. Meet me here at this time. Why are so. you so adamant about protecting this lady, man? I don't think anything to do with it. I'm not dragging her into the craziness of our husband. Sorry. But who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, this dude was nuts. I don't think that could have played a part in him about to lose his job, but he already was going through some shit way before this. Yeah. Um, but that was um my story of the Talias and Massacre. If anybody ever been to the um what's the museum called? The Guggenheim? The Guggenheim Museum. Very popular museum. I'm sure anybody's 
likes that's, art and been in New York has yeah, yeah. probably. Been. I would like to see the inside. I mean, outside of it. That's where Jay Z did. I can't remember the lady's name. She's very big in the conspiracy world. There's this artist that everybody thinks is the devil. Mm. Anyway, the, the music video was an art exhibit mm. where he was in a box and then everybody stood around him as he rapped his song. Oh, okay. Um, Didn't Kanye West do that? Uh, he probably did the beat. It was on oh. um, Cr- Crown. Which one is that? Which what, what album is that that he put on like Samsung phones for free? Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, it takes place in the Guggenheim. He did it in the Guggenheim. So if anybody wants to look up that music, I can't remember that song though. Yeah. He's talking about Picasso's. Picasso. Uh, I can't remember. I know what song you're talking about, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the it's name. Like, of it's it. like, boom, bing, 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 yeah. bing, bing. Picasso uh, and my casa. Yeah. And my castle. Yep. Like that. Yeah, that, yeah, that one right there. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so if anybody, I know some of our listeners may, uh, may be familiar with um, with Frank Lloyd White's work. He has the Talies and he has also the Talies and West. That's in Scottsdale, Arizona. He has the Robbie House, which is in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, again, he has Fallen Water, which is in Pennsylvania. I would love to go see that. I don't know if you can drive past it. I don't know how that works. Um, you got the Guggenheim Museum. You has the Taliesin, which we j- I just went over. You got the the Marin County Civic Center. Um, you got Jacob's House. All these beautiful, these beautiful buildings that has like brick and stone and all kinds of shit. It's 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 very beautiful, very beautiful houses. Yeah, no, that's, that's all I had to say. Um, and I'm sorry, it's Picasso baby, and the woman's name, the artist's name is Marina um, Abramovich. If anybody looks up her stuff, she, I mean, it's very demonic. I don't think she's like a devil. But that's like in conspiracy world. She's her name pops up a lot. Oh, okay, and all of that took place at the Guggenheim. So some interesting stuff happens at the Guggenheim. Yeah, but great story, man. I mean, uh, that guy lost his fucking mind and massacred a bunch of people. Man, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Well, I don't have any questions. So you ready to get into these good vibes? Time to go. Oh, we don't good vibes. Oh, yeah. Are we? No, what are you? Not want to do? <laughs> What are you depressed? Talk about you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right, well, cool. Let's get into these good vibes. Welcome to the good vibes, seven people. It's my turn to go. Um, my good vibe this week is about um, a son who designed a smartwatch to help his father stop with his nightmares, and it was life-changing. Oh. For many of the servicemen and women who bravely served in, um, in war zones, leaving the horrors of the battlefield behind isn't as simple as just hanging up their uniforms when they get home. PTSD covers a wide range of symptoms. When Tyler Sklazizak... Oh, geez. Son of combat vet Patrick. Oh man, Sklossasak. Yeah, sure. Uh, son uh, saw his father's life un- unravel as a result of reoccurring um, debilitating nightmares. He knew he had to do something about it. Mm. I can't even imagine trying to come home and trying to live a normal life after going through after being trained to kill people. Yeah. I mean, that's what they... seeing people blow up and die yeah. and all kinds of stuff for years and then they come over and just be like, well, go back to living a regular life now. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, I can't imagine that transition. 
even just at a functionality aspect to be like, okay, you've been, the government has spent millions of dollars training you to be a killing machine. Yeah. Now you need to go work at Verizon. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, my, I'm constantly at high alert. I'm checking exits always. I'm, yeah. I'm always trained to go. And now I'm suspect, I'm expected to just go live this docile life. It's such a crazy transition. Yeah. So in 2015, when Tyler, then a senior at, um, I'm oh, sorry. At McAllister at McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota, learned of an upcoming collaborative computer programming programming called Hackathon event in Washington, Washington D.C., focused on developing apps to help people like his dad, and he was determined to de- determined to dis- uh, participate. With technology pattern on the initiative counter countermanding measures PTSD service animals provide, Taylor. Tyler and his team came up with the prototype of the anti-night terror smartwatch app. Mm. The program um, detects the ons- the onset of nocturnal disturbances by measuring the um, wearer's heart rate and movement. Before the nightmare can take hold, the app delivers a uh, um, a small like disruption or like a jolt or something. Yeah. Um. So equi- equivalent to a gentle nudge or lick from a dog wow. to reset the wearer's sleep pattern. Super, wow. That's super cool. Collaborating. That's uh, like, that's kind of genius. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So as soon as like, yo, you, and you yeah, you're excited has, or whatever, your Sierra heart rate has, starts to go she up. She has night terrors a lot. I remember, I remember a long time ago, uh, one of my, na- at my dad's house, one of my neighbors had night terrors. And then it was like, we've never, we've, we've never like heard it or whatever. But one time it got like, it was just one of them days where yeah. it was like, it got bad. bad yeah. We just heard a scream and me and my dad like, Hopped up. We was like, "What the like? What the hell is going on? Like, yeah. what the hell is going on next?" Because you just hear screaming. It's like a sit terrifying. It was crazy. It, yeah. it was it was super terrifying. We're like, "What the hell is going on?" This was like one o'clock in the morning. So we like, "What's going on?" Then we go outside, and then like she's like coming outside screaming. It's like she it, was still screaming that she came outside. Outside, and then the, the parents like it, she just she just has these episodes, or whatever. Just it's it's fine with handling. Oh wow! And they got it under control, but it was like that's the first time if. We've heard it. It was right. It was it was crazy. Yeah, the only time I never I don't think I've I've had bad dreams, but the only time I ever had something even close to a night terror, I was sleeping at my grandmother's house and my cousin came over after like she came from a club or something to sleep there too. And she came down in the basement and I kinda heard the steps creaking. Mm. So I woke up but I was still asleep. So all I saw was a blur that was now in the room with me. So I was half asleep. I was like, What? What are you doing? No! Stop! And then she was like, like, and then I like, I like my eyes, you know, they go from like bl- bl- uh, blurry to clear. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sorry. She's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I, was, <laughs> I like have my hand, I have my hand out like this. No, 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 don't kill me. You know, yesterday, now that I think about it, I don't know if this was a dream, but I think I had for the first time, uh, what's the thing called when you- Sleep uh, paralysis? I think I had it yesterday. I don't know if it was a dream or not, but I remember- being up and mm-hmm. not being able to fucking move, and it was yeah. the scariest thing. Yeah, like some people say they have like they they like see people come towards them. Or that's 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 it doesn't that doesn't always okay. I, but sometimes I, it's just like oh my body's still asleep, but my mind is awake. I don't. But it's like but I was asleep, but Stephanie was still awake. So I don't know. I don't know if it was a dream mm. or I was actually was like I'm up, but I can't fucking can't why move. can't I move my body? Mm. Yeah, you might have been sleep paralyzed. That man. shit was wild. It's just crazy, man. <laughs> when you go to be like, terrible. oh, shit, let me get up. Then you try to like, can't 
movie Pick Your Arms Up. That shit was yeah. wild. And because I know I looked at it before, it was like it was just it's just your your brain is awake, but yeah, the body is just yeah. that's that was scary. It's I don't know. If it, I really don't know if it was a dream or not, but that shit was scary as fuck. Might have been real. Um. So yeah. So um. Story. Uh, so calibrating the correct vibration level for the watch provide um, pro- provide to be a challenge. Had to de- had to deliver just enough stimulus to pull them out of the deep REM cycle and allow the sleep to continue and unaffected. Mm. Sounds like a, a hard task to do to try yeah. to wake somebody up, but not wake them up. Yeah, like a gentle wake up. Yeah, I mean this really does sound. It really, it's a really incredibly innovative idea. Yes, it is. Um, with his dad serving as a voluntary guinea pig, Tyler Apple, Apple's gonna buy this idea. From, is that's gonna be the next iteration of the Apple Watch is gonna have this option on it? I'm calling that right now. And that kid's gonna make a bunch of money. Yeah. Um. Maybe. With his dad serving as a voluntary guinea pig, Tyler continued to tweak his creation. Um, damn ads. Tweak his creation until the um, algorithm was pretty much pitch, pitch perfect. Once the glitches were worked out and the app was performing as intended. Both father and son were um, floored by the immediate difference it made in Patrick's life. It was it was night and day when I put on when I put that watch on and started and it started working. Patrick said, "The vibrations work like little miracles." Tyler, now graduate graduate student in um, computer science at the University of Chicago, realized the potential for the little miracles he created to help other PTSD um, sufferers. With the goal of putting his life-changing app into widespread distribution, he sold the rights to an investor. According to the VA, the newly FDA-approved Apple Watch compatible technology Look at that. marketed under the brand name Nightwear should be available by, available by um, prescription, transforming nightmares into sweeter dreams and bringing hard-earned um, rest to um, deserving military veterans everywhere in the near future. Should have held up. I would have. Should have held up. Um, because then that investor went, and now they're talking to Apple, and Apple's going to give them hundreds of millions of dollars oh, for yeah. that. Well, you know, people, some people are just ahead of you yeah, and things like this. Like, but, I'll buy your little but, idea. Yeah, but this guy did this for his dad. It was like, yeah, I, my goal was to help my dad sleep sure. better, and that's really all that matters to him. That's beautiful. So I think that's pretty. I'm sure he probably got enough money he's going to be able to make another app. Oh, I'm, when, I, when you're talking about apps, the little bit of money that they gave him, they probably gave him like 5 to $15 million. Mm. But... They probably turned around and sold that to Apple for like fifty million. Oh yeah, million. they go, hey, we need to buy this now. We we can give you this now. We do it now. Yeah, keep it in a because that's a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, think about how many people have PTSD, not just soldiers. Yeah, like, how many people suffer from PTSD? Suffer from night terrors, and this is some app you Great can idea. download on your phone, and it it like snaps you out of bad dreams, yep. or at least can be marketed that way, so a whole bunch of people will download it. Yeah, oh, you got you got the watch. It might not too. work for everybody. And yeah, get the watch. Yeah, yeah, there you go, boom. Um, yeah. So I think that's a super dope idea. That's gonna be on the Apple Watch commercial soon. Like Apple Watch, like somebody sleeping, it's like, uh, and then a beep, and then you know, yeah. get the Apple Watch. Uh, I don't know. It had to be a little bit more informative than that because I would go, yeah, "What the fuck is that?" But oh, I disagree. I think people are suckers. <laughs> have you seen a car commercial these days? Now the car commercial didn't have anything to do with the car. What's like it in the vending machine? It's like a kid just like oh. playing with a toy car. And oh. They're like the new Kia Soul. I thought you were talking about the car, the Carvana joint. No, I just no. I'm talking about like a car, like a, a new Le- a Mercedes. Yeah. Doesn't have nothing to do with performance. It's just like funny. It's just like a funny commercial. People yeah. suck it for like entertainment. Like Old Spice? Like Old Spice. They don't talk about like, oh, this makes you smell good. It works if you yeah. play basketball. I go, what is this? Old Spice. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Guys are like a half. So look, look what, is that, what is that called? 
a centaur? Yeah. He is a centaur. He's like, yeah, he's like, look at me. Now look at this. Now it's Old Spice. Now you put it on and the women, they'll fuck you. Yeah. Is it, does it smell good or, you know, don't worry about it. I can't even, I, had, I used to wear Old Spice. I can't, it gave me like a, a rash thing around my armpits. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, everything can give you cancer these days, man. I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's, it's, everything sucks. But it's good vibes. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, my story is about a secret Santa. In the, in the um in the great state of Mississippi. Okay. Um, Christmas came early to the town of Canton, Mississippi, when a generous and vic- and very secret Santa picked up the tab for more than three hundred layaway tickets at the local Walmart. A donor whose name re- will remain anonymous approached the store's management and made an offer that had no reason to be refused. The jolly old elf volunteered to make good and. In- good on every layaway ticket that they were holding for customers who had yet to fully pay for their merchandise. Can you put a PlayStation 5 on layaway? PlayStation 5 on layaway. I wonder. Somebody might have made... Oh, if you can't, then never mind. The exact amount of the donation has not been revealed, but the... Did they still do layaway? Is that still a thing? Well, clearly they do. It's at some Walmarts. Um, Yeah, you can pay pay in installments. Yeah, it's a really good idea if you, you know... You, if you make the, as long as you pay the installments on time or a little bit ahead, you don't have to pay the entrance. My dad entrance. used to always do that shit. Yeah, layaway used to come through in the clutch. Um, yeah, to like take it to the desk, take it to like a different window. Yeah, yeah, get it set up. When it used to be like Ames or uh, what's the old one? What's the other uh, store? Well, I think former Mills had layaway. Hmm, I can't think of the other store. Well, yeah, but yeah, you go, you go pick out your clothes in the summertime. Yeah, and then by the time school time come around, you got yep, your clothes. My dad used to do. Oh, genius. <laughs> so, so yeah. So this donor came through. The exact amount of the donation has not yet been re- has not been revealed, but the guesstimate are that Santa laid out a sizable chunk of change to ensure his neighbors' holidays were very merry, bright, and a whole lot more more stress free. And a year that's been especially hard for people. Those who benefited from Santa's generosity are truly grateful for the gesture. One Madison County woman named Belinda Brooks, who was gifted several times over the oh was gifted several times over, told WLBT News, not only would the unexpected boom... This fucking... Keeps jumping around. Dads, yeah. Yeah. This uh, uh, one... uh, uh, This unexpected boom means she could take some days off, but that her child will get everything on his wish list. I will get everything he asked for, so I'm good on that. As long as he's happy, I'm fine with that, she said. A Walmart spokesperson later revealed that even many of of the on hold items have been reduced in price thanks to thanks to cash register. This is really making me angry. <laughs> Just jumping around. Uh, thanks to cash register adjustments, there'd been a not so small stocking full of funds left over. In the spirit of the season, the store passed the good cheer along to a pair of local toy drives and the hunger relief organization Feeding America, putting an extra helping of Merry Ho 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 in the holidays for some folks who need it the most. So shout out to that um, person. I don't know who it was. And, you know, I, I, I like there's something about remaining anonymous that's like there's something beautiful in that. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it's that, you know, wanting credit for doing something nice is bad, but I'm just saying just doing it just off of the strength. There's something really commendable about that. I think that that's really cool. So shout out to that person down there in Canton, Mississippi and congratulations to all those people. And, um, as I've said on here many a times, if you're capable of really making a difference in somebody's life, this holiday season, you go out and do it, man. It really, um, uh, giving is selfish. 
the feeling that you get from helping somebody is a selfish feeling. And there's nothing wrong with chasing that feeling and just feeling good about helping somebody that, you know, if you're not going to do it for the person, do it for yourself, do it to make yourself feel good. It's, it really is a really good feeling to know that you're helping somebody. Um, other than that, Fran. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any suggestions. I've, I've heard that you're, there's a new show on Showtime starring Brian Cranston called Your Honor. I haven't had, had a chance to check it out yet. Like I said, it's been pretty hectic. Um, but other than that, definitely got to check out um, Forgotten Women of Juarez. Mm-hmm. And I got to read that book, Pim. Um, yeah. Shout out to Ariel. Thank you for getting us those books. I'm going to get on that as soon as I get some free time. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. Got anything? Yes, I do. Oh, do you? Yes. Please. I am reading a novel. Oh, when I mean by reading, I mean... <laughs> I mean Listening to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean uh, what is it called? Audible. Uh-huh. It's called Post Office. I read this. I read this. <laughs> On your free time, you're reading the book about the post I'm office? I'm reading at work. I'm, read, I'm listening to it while I'm at work. Got it. Now. Interesting. I can't remember where I heard the book from. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I had, I looked it up and I heard, I kept it in my, my post like, wish list, right? So it's about, it's called post office. Now, okay. the beginning of this book is everything that I, I've, I've dealt with, heard, and is dealing with right now, and it's happening in the beginning of this book. Okay. okay. So this book is about. It was written by um, Charles Bukowski, right? Okay, I know Bukowski. Yeah. So it was, it was about, it's in Los Angeles, California, about a guy named Henry Chanasky. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just read the plot to you. Sure. Of the, of, the, of the book. So in Los Angeles, California, down and out, um, Henry Chanaski becomes a substitute mail carrier. He quits for a while, lives on his winnings at the racetrack, then becomes a mail clerk. Chanaski drifts from place to place, surviving through bulls and women um, with his biting sense of humor and clinical views of the world. Mm. So just just a, just a kind of a deadbeat guy just floating through life? Yes. I like that. It's a funny book. Yeah. I love it. Because it. Especially from be- his perspective. Especially the beginning of the book is like, I know. Is it a, I know is it a exactly. good reader? Is it a good reader? Yes. I and know it, exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And it's like first person pers- perspective. Yes. Like, that bitch Jan. Yes. Or that motherfucker oh Mark talking about. That's what she said again. I love it. Are you going to go postal? Because of this <laughs> book going to make you be like, you know what? Fuck this job. You just go off the I job. Love it, man. I love this book. I, it took me so long to read it because I was like, I like, I wanted to, I like to really sit the books while I'm home, just chilling. Yeah. But I was like, I'm at work. I'm like, let me, let me just go through it. I'm all, I'm not finishing, but I'm almost done. Yeah, it's like it was like four hours long. I got maybe like an hour left. You just said work life's like the postmaster general oh walked in God, like a dickhead, man. and you're like, I love it. I I agree with that. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Laughing is the I love it, man. So it's if y'all want to read, check it out. We the can talk about postman. It. It's called Post Office. Post Office. I love by it. Charles Bukowski. Yes. Oh, it's very um, it's very intellectual of <laughs> you. Charles Bukowski is a very well, well known writer. Yeah, yeah, I um, love that book. Yeah, man, well, shout out to you, friend. Getting you getting your read on. <laughs> uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 